0: Welcome to the Utah Film Club Podcast. My name is Drew. I'm your podcast lead. And today we are going to be talking about our top 10 films of 2022. I am joined by PJ Napke. Hello. Luke Wilhelm. Greetings. Okay. And Harrison Hall. Hi. All right. So I think it would be quite grand to start out with our honorable mentions. And I think PJ wants to kick it off first. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, we tried to pick
1: all unique ones that weren't featured on anybody's lists or anybody else's honorable mentions just to get a wider coverage. Um, so, I will start with my first honorable mention, which is Albert Serra's Pacifiction, mm. a cool. film that I think went very under the radar, one um, that I saw at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, it's about a, it's a very long. And mysterious film about a the sort of French governor, uh, de facto governor of the island of Tahiti, and um, that's crazy. <laughs> sort of awash in the sort of island colors, very like you know the cotton candy sky pinks, and it's this very slow building political like very muted political thriller about you know these rumblings about some sort of French military activity happening in Tahiti and these it's sort of Mm -hmm. it equates the experience of the confusion of uh, being a singular individual within like a club space and everything that's going on with the confusion of being an individual in the globalized world of politics, um, which is very interesting to me. So, that would that would be my first honorable mention if we want to move to Luke for his first.
2: Sick. I need to check that out. That sounds really cool. Uh, what, so else, what else, else nice we, now? <coughs> Other
1: Sarah, yeah. What else what has he, he directed? Um, he's like a very strange guy. Um, I actually got to see it. So, he's done like uh, The Death of Louis the I've heard, heard of Liberté, Liberté. yeah. Um, so... I got to see the Q and A with him, and he's like talking about. So for the film, they used the cheapest cameras possible. Hell yeah! And they would just. He wouldn't speak to the actors at any point during the filming, or tell them what was like happening in the story, and. (laughs) What. Yeah, and instead, so like, and he would just be filming all the time, and then that just makes a very interesting result. So
0: I, I am, I am of the mind ABF always be filming because you never know what you're going <laughs> right. to get on film exactly so that's actually kind of cool or on or, um,
1: the cheapest fucking digital you can possibly that's get that's insane <clears throat> and then he upscaled it to
2: 35 which is apparently cheaper than mm. just filming on film okay. huh okay well speak of movies about how much French people suck um, <laughs> my my first honorable mention is Prey <laughs> um, uh, which is if you like just seeing French people get beheaded and stabbed and shot in various ways and methods that that's this is the movie for you. I like um, that. yeah, it really it, it really it's is just too. a very fun like uh, slasher movie and it takes a lot of the good a lot of the good lessons from Predator and just kind of does it again. It kind of could it kind of shows like a what could have been the Predator franchise from the beginning was just like different genre films. Like, but then the predator shows up. Like the first one's like, like a B move, B move, B military action movie. This one's like a kind of like a slow moving western drama, and then and then the Avatar shows up. No, yeah. and the Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Aang, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna weird. talk about. We're, yeah, we're gonna talk about the Avatar. It's really and it doesn't leave it like I'm not it's not like it's not like the movie it's like the deepest movie ever it doesn't it has like it does leave some things to think about because it has it has like the ideas of like oh like alien cultures coming to interact with each other but also there's an actual like alien so that's so it's kinda like huh, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't need to include the French people in it, but they did. And that's kind of that's kind of interesting to think about. But at the end of the day it's kind of just like a pretty good like slashing movie, and I think that's really good. Dan Dan the director, has done like a lot of cool shit over the years, and I hope that he gets to make more things like this movie. I think he just ma- he can just do really good like pop culture stuff. It's like not super deep, but like really is enjoyable. 10, Ten Cloverfield Lane is the other movie that. He yeah. did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he also t- the way he got his start was doing a portal short film. Also. What. It's it- it's like it's, it's okay. not. What is like okay though? Um, like the, I would say the plot is okay, but again, it it really just soars on the fact that it's very well directed and okay. incorporates special effects very well. Okay,
3: cool.
0: um, Yeah. All right, I guess you can go on
2: to Harrison then.
3: Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I, you said it really depresses. Yeah, I oh guess no, no, we can go on to no, no, Harrison no, no,
0: no. then.
3: Right. Oh gosh. Fine. Uh, so my first honorable mention is E. O. by Yeah, Jersey uh, Skolomovsky. It's a Polish film about a circus donkey who uh, escapes, I think. I don't remember <laughs> it very well. But he, it's his own he has it's to his find owner. his way home, his owner. Uh, and I watched this in the Sith, and I was like the only person there. It, it was late, too. <laughs> so it was just like this perfect combination of its like massive space... I'm the only guy there. I'm super tired. And then there's just all this crazy, can I swear? Yeah. Okay. I I there's all this it. crazy shit happening on the <laughs> screen. Like there's all this fucking drone photography and and like the, it's, I can't put it into words. It was like- The POV shots. Yeah, right, the POV donkey shots. Yeah. And then the fucking donkey silhouettes. And POV the, you the colors, like, It'll just be, like, red. Yeah. The donkey turns into, like, a, a, like a robotic drone for some reason. I'm, I'm sure there's a reason. I or wasn't... This. I wasn't... Uh, Privy? I, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was a very confusing movie, but it was just a really great experience, and the soundtrack was incredible as well. I mean, It was, it was rated pretty high.
0: Like, people, people love this movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. People also hate it a lot. Well, okay. Because it's
1: like a PETA film a little bit. What? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean I thought it was pretty good. Okay. But it's like it's very much like, look at what you're doing to
2: okay. animals. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I mean it's just like Polish people kick the shit out of the donkey for no reason. Damn. <laughs> but and it's, I, think that, they, I
2: think that's more about how Polish people are just inherently. Yeah, bad. I don't know.
3: True. Again, they beat him up so bad he turns into a robot, and. This
2: I don't one. remember that part. You don't remember that part? <laughs> <laughs> we're just making We're just making parts of the I movies. I think we should all squeeze in about? one false <laughs> plot for every movie.
3: When does that about. happen? <laughs> you don't remember he turns into like a, like a like the NYPD attack drones like the robot dog.
2: <laughs> this is amazing. No. So I know never, what you're talking. I mean, I've never seen the movie, but I know, like, well, I'm, I know what you're. I know he starts and ends as a donkey.
1: Yeah, yeah, so but what? in bet-
3: in between, there's like a, there's like a two minute sequence where it turns into a robot. I mean, I can believe that that
1: happened. I just don't remember that.
3: Yeah, I
2: like that either one of you, either one of you is either dreaming up something about the movie. <laughs> I mean, or I mean this is something I, crucial about the I movie. I preface
3: this by saying I was like tired in a delirious state. <laughs> So, who knows what actually <laughs> happened in EO, but it was great, and I loved it, it, it. Okay, it's,
0: I guess I'll have to on the Criterion out. channel right now. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, okay. alright. I'll check it out then. Um, I think I'll just quickly talk about, on my honorable mentions list, Barbarian, um, which I know Harrison also had, but um, I ranked it a little higher. So can I oh, wait. Shut up. I'm no, talking. I was gonna Well I will say as little as I can about Barbarian, because I, I was going say please like, do exactly I would like to go in. The pleasure it. of seeing the movie is knowing as little as possible going in and being oh, yeah. completely shocked, um, which is why I had to include it. I think it's one of the most unique like screenplays I've seen in a very long time. Um, just basically a woman who goes to an Airbnb and meets another guy who gets booked on the same night, um, unexpectedly and that is absolutely all i will say it is presented as a horror film and the trailers do a good job of not showing anything so i can just say i I think it has to be mentioned because um i I was completely shocked by the end um every single section there was highs and lows i was like terrified at some points i was laughing my ass off at others and then by the end i was deeply disturbed um but more than anything please go see this movie if you can uh Absolutely one of the craziest films of last year. And yeah, that's all yes. I will say. It cool. was like a crazy turn about halfway through the
3: film. Yeah. It was like the one of the best theater
0: experiences I had yes. last year. Yeah. Like, Shout out Justin Long. I, I think it's <laughs> like everybody
3: went in like, yeah, whatever. Another, you know, horror movie of the week. But then it's like, oh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah, Bill Skarsgård being creepy as always. Because it, I think this, it does a
1: really good job of like building up on your expectations and then... Completely subverting them as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very definitely. I definitely, mean, I definitely yeah.
2: need to watch it. It is. Oh my gosh, a bad omission watch it from my from my little movies I watched last year.
0: It's fine. It's fine. Do you to go um, with the next, PJ? Yeah, okay.
1: my next honorable mention. Um, hmm, should it have been on my list? That's a question that I'm having right now. <coughs> oh. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> decision to leave. Uh, directed by Park chan You're making Wook. a
2: decision to leave it off your list. I, uh, I'm gonna go shoot myself. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so, yeah, Park Chan-Wook, legendary director. Mm-hmm. You know, Snow... No, that's not him. <laughs> you say <laughs> Snow. you say Handmaiden. Yes, yes. Old so old boy. Vengeance boy. Trilogy. Old, old boy. Yeah. Stoker. Great film, my I don't know why I didn't know because I've seen all of his movies. He's so
2: making The Sympathizer coming out next year. Okay.
1: So... Great director. Yes. Um, This film is a very like De Palma esque, Mm. like Hitchcockian Vertigo, um like story of obsession and voyeurism, Um, and it's it's about a detective who is investigating a a Chinese foreign national um, in um, Korea who is like maybe killed her husband maybe Mm -hmm. Um, and then this like obsession begins it's played by Tong Wei who's awesome and very beautiful obviously Um, and Park Il, who's also another great actor very beautiful Um, yes Yes. Um, and it's it's like this strangely obsessive romance that ends up being like very heartfelt by the end and i think what the strongest thing in the film does is part channel what goes fucking buck wild on the cinematography and mm-hmm. editing yeah and like so far as to like in the sense of voyeurism like literally placing the character within the space that he's like watching from afar in some scenes mm-hmm. and then like Doing crazy stuff with Death of field and focus. I've seen like
2: clips where he plays with that. The in, the interrogation room yeah. scene. Yeah, there's a, a oh,
1: famous interrogation re- yes. interrogation room scene where um, the detective is interrogating Tom Way, and they um, shift the fo- so it's like in front of the you know two way mirror, and the detective's face is in focus. In the foreground. In the foreground, and Tom Wei's face is in focus in the mirror, and then they shift it, and then his face becomes in focus in the mirror, and her face becomes in focus in the the foreground, and it's, like, insane. It's pretty... There's all sorts of stuff like that, and, like, you know, one thing that uh, is a phenomenon I've noticed lately is that a lot of great directors do not want to make films about the present, because making films with phones in them fucking sucks because phones are stupid yeah. and ruin movies. <laughs> but this is the best film to ever handle the idea of having oh, really? like an iPhone. Yeah. I <laughs> don't
0: remember too much about that, though. Okay. They literally would have no, like, remember, like, the, the, chat the POV shot
1: on the screen and like a POV of like from your phone looking at the guy as he's <laughs> texting. Huh. And it's, I like that. It's Yeah, it's, it, he does a really good job with that. So also. Um, I think I mm. think yeah, it's a really great piece of like obsessive. I I love the Palma so. Um, yeah, I don't
2: know. Very close to my list, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I made I definitely made a bad decision to leave decision to leave off my list. Cutting yeah. yeah. a off I'm I'm gonna see if I can. Yeah, say. I'm gonna try and make that. Joke. I'm gonna make that. I'm gonna try and make You're that trying joke. trying so hard to put this joke in. <laughs> I'm gonna try and make that joke one more time before we're doing this it, it best. <laughs> Okay. Um, I made some last minute adjustments to the top of my list and my honorable mention. So my honorable mention, uh, my other honorable mention for this podcast is Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, which is not a film that like I thought was particularly mind blowing or amazing. Um, having rewatched, having rewatched Knives Out, uh, post, uh, Glass Onion. I think that it's a much stronger movie, um, in comparison. Um, I I wouldn't say Ryan Johnson was like boning it. I wouldn't say it was that like that bad of a that bad of a downgrade. Uh, I don't think Ryan Johnson was funny it or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I think do do we all see Glass Onion here? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I I watched it with my family over I Christmas. Saw that we at all
1: North American premiere.
2: Yes, I, I saw it in a packed theater with my family too. I think it would be a fun movie to watch, theater. It is like. Insane to me that Netflix is like, we'll just throw this up there for like a week, and then it'll be on streaming. Yeah. At Christmas. it got a lot of box office too. Like everyone yeah. was there in theaters, mm-hmm. and like it was the most packed theater
0: I've been in in years. So right, right. they were
3: really dumb to only put that <laughs> in theaters for like five days. And
2: like you said, Ryan Johnson was like pissed about that too. Mm-hmm. He's also pissed about having to subtitle it a Knives Out mystery because yeah. like there are no knives being out in this movie. There is no connection to the previous movie aside from Benoit Blanc still being in it. Um, so I know that he's hoping that he doesn't have to do that for the third one that he makes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still it was still a fun time. It still hit, and I would say like for the first like hour of the movie, it still hits like the same highs of what I really like about Knives Out. But I think in trying to. Some it, in trying to be a detective story that does, that tries to do something really interesting with how it unfolds the mystery, like *Knives Out* was, it tries to do something very similar, but I think it doesn't work as well. I don't know. If we, again, I'm trying not to spoil it because just in case. Um, but I don't know. Do any of you have something stuff to, to say about that? Uh, I mean, yeah,
3: it's just I liked it when it first came out, and I mean I still like it now, but it's like built on Elon Musk jokes. In, and, well, and like, 2020 did, COVID jokes. They a good
1: job on Twitter. Twitter. Well, well, for people who are
2: on Twitter. That is true. Yeah. But the thing is, is I like think, actually, us. some of those jokes work Worse after Elon Twitter Musk right? bought bot because the movie they made no, the I'm, movie well before Elon Musk became like a main in, character. In, yeah, and in, I think in him, between yeah, the time doctor. I saw it in theaters,
3: he was the
1: richest person in the world. Yeah, but he he hadn't
2: bought Twitter yet and publicly embarrassed himself for everybody to see, and mm-hmm. also blew up all of his tests. I think people became more critical like, of him actually after the movie.
0: Yes, I, I would say that. I,
2: think I still, and, yeah, a
0: lot of people still praise him, but like I'm just saying, and that, I still,
2: and I still think that. Knives Out has a little bit of ambiguity to it. I think Knives it's Out... is absurd thing to say. <laughs> Knives Out leaves a little bit of ambiguity when it comes to a lot of its characters, and especially in the case of the character who dies in their show. I think that it leaves ambiguity to whether or not he was acting, like, in completely with good intentions, or if he made a mistake with how he, like, handles him possibly dying of a whatever he's overdosed with, whatever drug he's overdosed with in the first movie. Um, Christopher Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um... I forget. Naloxone? Is that what it is? Or is that the drug that's supposed to save them but they I don't think have it? I guess it's supposed to save it. It was morphine that Morphine that killed him. It, it over dose. Dose. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, like overdose. Yes. So, like, it leaves some room there about whether or not, like, he's acting there. Whereas this movie is like, yeah, man, Elon Musk sucks. Which is true, but also, it's just, it's not as interesting, I feel, of, like a story. well no, and it's just boring. Like, mm-hmm. in 50 years,
3: in 50 years, like, nobody's
2: gonna care. Right, exactly. We'll it's have, not gonna we'll hold, up. hold up. We'll have, like, I, th- I think Friday, the to Knives Out 200. is gonna be
3: more timeless, even though it's still, like, 2016 presidential election. Like,
2: yeah, that's, I think that's the thing. Like, it, Knives Out does have some of this stuff, too, but you can look past it because, at its core, I still think it's it's a, a, better, know, film it's a sure. better film. It's a better film. For sure, and it proves that like again, Ryan Johnson. That was again just as much Ryan Johnson as this one is. So it proves that he and like also he Ryan Johnson loves like noir shit. He made ah oh, fuck, I, don't know, I can't remember the brick movie. Brick. That's that is the film. Like he loves he likes noir detective brick. stuff. So hmm? I so he'll, he'll keep making movies that he wants to make, and and they'll keep and they'll keep again. Not Glass Onion, far from being like the worst movie ever, still a very fun time. Had a fun time it watching it with family. I
1: agree, not the worst movie. At
2: all. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. What was the worst movie? Actually, okay, I'm actually fin- fin- finished. Okay, here, I was <laughs> gonna say fin- finish. your honorable mentions, and then can we all talk about very? We don't like actually do a full discussion. But what was the worst movie you watched last yeah, year? Yeah, I got. A, I got something in right. mind. But first, yeah, what was your yeah, last honorable yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: mention? Okay, cool. my yeah. on, my other honorable mention uh, was X and Pearl. By Ty West. I see them as one movie right now. Uh, So when X came out, I was like, this is shit. (laughs) And to be honest, it's still true a little bit. Mm. But uh, it got like the DLC balance patch (laughs) that makes it like a watchable movie. (laughs) And that's what Pearl is uh, to me. Because I watched X and it's like, the villain sucks. Mm. She has no character. But then they made a prequel movie about the character. Maybe and that's now why, I think she's really interesting.
2: They shot Pearl, like, back-to-back with X. Maybe they right, did right. that because they were. That's really what nice. happened
3: uh, <laughs> when they were... I think they were filming it in New Zealand. Uh, they were, during their COVID quarantine, they're like, man, let's just make another movie. Like, let's just write another script, I guess. And they dropped Pearl, and it's it's just way better. Mia Goth is incredible. Uh, she, I mean... She sounds like
2: a sickly Victorian child. Yeah. Sh-bong. I don't know. <laughs> But she's, she's a great actor. Well, I was making a joke. I, I don't know. Yeah. Pearl's
3: the kind of character that's like she should be a little annoying. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mia Goth uh, fits that perfectly. And she just she just carries the whole thing. I don't yeah. think those movies would be half as good without her. And there's just a great dramatic monologue at the end of Pearl. And the, the shot before it goes to the credits is like go, goaded. Uh, I watched it a second time just because I wanted to watch the credits again. Uh, first time that's ever happened in my life but yeah. i don't know per- yeah I, Fun feel, movies. I, I
2: would like to watch them definitely before max X- Yes, yeah. max scene uh halsey's Palsy. in that yeah. one yeah. yeah i
3: i don't know why but i guess kid cuddy's an ex so you got a little yeah. musician thing going on hmm. i don't i, I don't <laughs> know these people play got, play. got connections i guess yeah
0: um. All right. I, move on to. Okay. We, we we move on. Um, I'll just say like this is wrapping up the honorable mentions with mine. I said white noise, directed by Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm. Um well, back. How are you? Guys? Baumbach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I writer I during d- as I was watching this, I was not enjoying it as much as I wanted to. But it, first of all, it's an absurdist film, so like it. A lot of the plot makes not a lot of sense. There's no specificity to naming conventions whatsoever, everything is abstract um, like uh, how do I say Adam Driver works at the college on the hill and he's a professor in Hitler studies Yeah. Um, and there's just as you do. large rooms with like no discernible like reasoning as to why they're there so if you ever did theater and you know absurdist films like or absurdist theater like Ubu Roy or like uh, Endgame not Avengers Endgame, but there's a... the, the, the Irish, yes. So it's like thank you. Uh... I had I had to read that for a class reason. <laughs> That's the only reason I happened to know this. Oh, <laughs> off. Um, so yeah, it was. I was like, kind of awaiting for the end. But then, like as the it progressed and the narrative between Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig actually was wrapping up, um, I was starting to get a lot more invested into how it copes with the fear of death um it was very interesting and then by the end the way it touched on consumerism in like a way that i haven't really seen before it least be probably not in anything else but an absurdist film i was in love with and then lcd sound system hit us with like the biggest banger 2022 uh check out new body roomba if you can and it was like the it was a scene where everyone was just dancing in a grocery store and that honestly is what made me put this on my honorable mentions list i love that scene so much I've watched it like a million times.
1: I did also like this film. Um, you did. Okay. Some interesting synchronicity with the real world, considering it features a large chemical spill from a train derailment, mm-hmm. and it, this scene was filmed in East Palestine, Ohio. Whoa! Well, and then that <laughs> happened. happened. Whoa! In wait, yeah, actually. Yes, they filmed it in I East didn't Palestine. Know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Um, I don't know how it's not like The Simpsons they just predicted <laughs> that it's crazy <laughs> Jesus I don't guys. know
3: I mean maybe Greta Gerwig's up to something
2: I did Greta Gerwig write that also? Uh, I mean no, they're married. Don DeLillo wrote it okay. it's,
0: based, okay. on Don yeah, it's DeLillo, based on a novel. it's based on a novel did he
2: also write the screenplay?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was just Noah Baum Okay. Uh, but either way I, I recommend this one just like if you want an obscure pick but something that definitely mimics real life and like kind of brings up these like existential feelings you don't want to think about um talking about like i i say uh you treat it like eponymously like how you kind of tune these things out and it becomes white noise but when you're confronted with it, it becomes a little overwhelming mm-hmm. um but that was a very interesting so it's so, so a
1: good portrait of just like the strangeness of Middle class America, ca-ca. yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. oh, okay. <laughs> Adding yeah. those
0: three C's. <laughs> no, we oh, <you> gotta keep <laughs> it family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, that wraps up our honorable mentions, and I think we can move on now to our top tens. If we're all cool. Yeah, Anybody have to want to pick their
2: worst movies of last year? Just, the greatest
1: spear just... run ever. Mm, really? That's, that's a good. Just like the
2: Vietnam War. Well, so I saw it. At okay. Tiff, yeah.
1: And it's literally about. Jack Efron is like some dumb guy from New York whose buddies go after the war and he doesn't. And then he's like, Well I'll just bring him beer because we're boys. <laughs> and, and the the movie is not against the Vietnam War. In, in anyway. the Year of Our Lord twenty twenty-two. He like by the end of the film what he's realized is like, yeah man, it's crazy over there. That's all he's. That's all he's realized by the end of the movie. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, man, it's crazy. <laughs> Must be hard for those guys fighting over there. You know, and then, but he's just the fucking dumbest America can, forth, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and you know, that's that's what it, that movie's about, and it's kind of insane.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, but I'd also say Amsterdam was okay. the worst movies I've ever seen. Thankfully, F- didn't see it. Did everybody see it? F- no. F- no. No. I no one did. I, I've seen, I've seen multiple
2: so times the clip of Taylor Swift That's getting what I saw! It's
1: for... very funny, but that movie is... It's baffling how terrible it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's shot by Emmanuel Lubezki, who, like... So they try to make it, like, fucking, like, oh, this is so ponderous, and, like, look at the camera wander around this, this, this scene as these characters interact, and it's like... There's literally a scene... Where, like, first of all, all the actors, which is, like, a ton of fucking major actors in this movie, they're all so bad. They're terrible. (laughs) They're awful. Like, they have no emotion at any point, and they're just, like, terrible at delivering their lines, and I don't know if he, if fucking, what's his name, told him to do that. No. David
2: O. Russell. David David O. Russell, Russell was like, I need you to like, give me the worst.
1: So bad. It's like literally. Christian <laughs> Bale. Christian Bale. How, yeah, Bale, how man, hard can you? Yeah. Margo. Oh, yeah. uh, Margot Robbie. Fucking like, uh,
0: fuck who else is John David Washington. Zoe John Saldana. Washington, Zoe
1: Saldana. <laughs> Zaldana, mm-hmm. Robert De Niro. Robbie Malick. Chris Rock. Mike Myers. Michael Shannon. <laughs> one of the staff cast of all time. Andrea <laughs> Riseborough. Taylor Swift. Yeah, it's like. And it's, yeah, it's, it's There's literally a scene. So World War One has just ended, and there's literally a scene where they're like, "We should celebrate. World War One just ended." And Margo Robbie's character is like, "No, there's gonna be World War II later <laughs> Basically,
2: she's like, "Don't be happy because it's just." I'm happen. not gonna celebrate. There's <laughs> gonna be a great He's
1: like, it's just going to happen again. There's going to be World War II. We're going to have so...
2: the Holocaust. Yeah. Okay, let's go oh, off. It's like Kremlin Rindle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, those are
1: mine. I don't know if anybody has any. Uh,
2: I want to shout out. Yeah, I want to give an honorable mention to Andor, uh, the, the greatest oh, piece of that the worst. I knew, <laughs> knew you'd include it. Oh, I'm doing God. it up here so it doesn't happen toward the bottom of it, toward the end of the podcast. But I. We have to. I have to give it a shout out to my boy, to Tony Gilroy, and this is a
1: film podcast. This is a film I'm podcast. Complete. Are we still so, talking about the worst <laughs> stuff?
2: Yeah. What I you Just wanted to sneak <laughs> into Andor. I just want. I just wanted to just talk about Andor because it's so good. And that one. Well, and then I've talked about it. That's it. Tony Gilroy's a genius. Um, What's your worst movie though? Probably totally. Don't Worry. Probably Don't Worry. Definitely. Yep, that's mine. Yeah, that's mine. Um, I I saw it on like. A, it was I, bad, but it wasn't as bad as mm-hmm. some of these movies. I saw it work. with someone, and then asked them oh, out after I saw it with them, and got friend zoned. And "Don't worry, darling" was the worst experience I had. That worst experience that I had that day. <laughs> like "Don't um,
1: worry, darling" is better than fucking
0: Doctor Strange.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. No. Yes. I disagree. I'm sorry. I,
0: when, when, I haven't seen Doctor Strange. When Harry 20. Styles had the Discord overlay pulled up on his <laughs> double monitor, I literally funny, could not.
1: I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in Doctor Strange inspired any emotional response. You know, not, not, not the the screaming women? Not, the, not, not all the screaming women.
2: <laughs> yeah. so what about They Yeah. So what know. about Harry Styles? And, like, I didn't see. Doctor, I didn't see word. Doctor Man, so I don't know what happens. In doctor that movie. Man. Oh, uh, Harrison, what is your worst movie of all time? Well, I of all time. <laughs> of oh last, oh um, my God! I just okay, last so. circle. Yeah.
3: So I don't think it's like the worst per se, but my least favorite is absolutely The Whale by Darren Aronofsky. <laughs>
2: okay. It's just this best, really sp- best picture winner. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just this really confusing, strange movie.
3: About, like, fat people are people, all right? But let's make him look like the absolute most gross-patch-fucking-monster. They do
1: that. <laughs> you've ever seen there's in the, Star Wars? There's a fucking oh. scene where they, like, throw on metal music <laughs> over him, like, just, like, gorging himself. <laughs> like, throwing ham on slice of pizza and well, dousing at a ranch. Yeah, I, I, like, could, this is I could playing. go on
3: forever about the whale. But, it, yeah, I mean, there's a scene where he's, like... He's Googling, like, well, eating, give me heart attack. And then he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, damn, I'm hungry. So he opens up his drawer <laughs> with the granola, no, with the like granola really bars bad. inside. And he gets really sad looking at the granola bars. So he closes the drawer, opens another drawer with, like, a Snickers a three and three musketeers. Thing. Yeah, and then
0: he eats that instead. And yeah. it's like, what is this? So like, you're just saying you're basically thought over I, I yes mean, and no. no. Okay. I don't have. How are we it's trying to
1: make right you. Now? It's just. It's just like stupid emotional <laughs> manipulation, and it's like there's like weird story beats with how unbelievably cool his daughter is to. Yeah.
3: Him. Also, it's like the whole arc
1: is also that he's like he's gay,
3: but and he's like being uh, smote by God or something. Mm. Yeah. That uh, it's it's so confusing. Like I don't know what
1: Aronofsky was cooking. And there's this amazing scene where he reveals because he's (laughs) he's an online English professor Mm -hmm. for some online school, and he you know teaches his classes without his camera on. Yeah, because he's fat. Yeah, and then there's a scene where he reveals himself, and he's literally got his like zoom like his webcam, and he's just moving it up and down his body and showing like his students like how big he is. And they're all like, oh my god. <laughs> they're like, they're like dropping, dropping out of the, the class. Ball. They're like, I can't be in a class. I can't be in a Zoom room with someone who's overweight. But Are you it's, serious? Well, it's it's yeah. just like, it what awful. is this move? What is happening right
3: now? Yeah, I don't know. It was, and I was like agitated the whole time because there were these two old ladies behind me. And they were just laughing the the time. Like it, was a, like it was a Family Guy episode. But the thing is that it kind of is. And it's like I can't blame them for laughing the whole time. They couldn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just a bad movie. Um. And I'm I'm and it won more Oscars, the whale, than Stanley Kubrick won in his entire career. It beat Colin Farrell twice in the same night. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it the whale. I Yeah.
2: yeah. And
3: Avatar had like a hundred times the whales, too. So, <laughs> so it win didn't more even... whales. Win. And actual whales.
2: <laughs> yeah. It didn't...
3: It's not even the most whale. But how
2: many frames in Avatar are just... <laughs> it's also crazy
1: line. that the whale is just that one. It's
3: <laughs> one,
2: <laughs> <the whole laughs> yeah.
0: Very oh, okay. experimental. i only
2: one image from the whale. It's just Brendan Fraser staring off at the spotlight. Yeah. How many... Yeah. Avatar... James Cameron failed to consider he should have put one frame of uh, Brendan Fraser just going, like, err Well, <laughs> shout out Brendan Fraser. I still like him. Just yeah, no. The, no, this is not, none of this hopefully, is Brendan Hopefully, the maker. clout he gets from winning
0: Best Actor yeah. gets him into some good movies. I, I, right? I agree. I agree. And hopefully, people won't
1: keep, continue to treat him like he's a literal not I don't think they're infantilizing him. I think as long as they're,
2: just, they're celebrating They are 100. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're on Twitter just as much as me. Calm down. PJ, what is your number 10? This movie? is
0: from
1: watching. Uh-huh, sure anyways we'll get into the top 10s now finally alright my number 10 film is Laura Patris' All the Beauty and Bloodshed which is a documentary film about the photographer and um activist Nan Golden um noted for her work in the 80s sort of surrounding the um Vibrant LGBTQ scene in New York City, um, and then sort of the AIDS epidemic surrounding that. Um, but sort of the film is is more of a less of a diary piece about like you know just you know going through her life. It's split up into seven chapters, which and then it's more of a collaboration between the director. Um, who's more known for her work in like you know Citizen Four like other I think she also earlier made a documentary about the Iraq war when it was happening mm-hmm. like her films are usually about like confronting the conspiracy uh, security state um, and um, this film definitely gets very political as well in the fact that just how sprawling Nan Goblin's life was and how many sort of larger button issues it touches upon, um, you know, you sort of see how she grew up in a very, like, repressed 50s era, 50s suburbs, you know, she has a sister who, you know, realizes that she is gay and is put in asylums for the rest of her life and kills herself, Um, and then we see her sort of move away from her family, move into this world of sort of, you know, found family amongst the gay community in New York and then sort of how that's just wrecked by Mm -hmm. the AIDS epidemic and the government's unwillingness to do anything about it and honestly strong desire to see them all die Um, and there's a lot of really sad portraits of you know her just all the people around her that she loved you know dying and there's nothing she could do about it um, and then the sort of larger um, thing that overlooks the whole film is her subsequent addiction to opiates um, and her fights against the Sackler family, um, the founders and executives of the Purdue pharmaceutical company who invented Oxycontin, um, that she became addicted to and almost died and fentanyl over those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, the what the documentary does really well is tying all these things, like, it's not linear, and so it, it goes, you know, back and forth in history, and it ties sort of all of these threads of Nan Goldin's life in interesting ways. So, what Nan Golden is, like, mostly known for um, is she put together her photographs in these slideshows which she would narrate herself and you know put music to and things like that. Um, and so occasionally like the director and her will collaborate on these slideshows and she'll act as the narrator again where she's like narrating these own like portions of her own life from her own work. Um, which become really interesting as like she's sort of reevaluating the work from a new perspective. Um, in that she's in this new period of her life where she's not working and instead she's basically like protesting against her own work in the sense that a lot of um, her what her protest group does is they go to museums where a lot of Sackler funded, you know, wings of museums because they own a lot of art and such um, and they protest to get the, you know, Sackler names taken off and such, remove all the art. Um, and a lot of these museums is where her art is, where her work is held as well, um, and so it's interesting to see like how she deals with, you know, fighting against these institutions, which are also the foundation of her success, um, and then you know, sort of culminating in sort of how we see all of these events come together and affect her mental and physical health in the present day Um, um, I mean I guess she's a real person but I won't necessarily say how it ends Um, Mm -hmm. but it's it's both it could easily have been you know simple like diary style documentary that just goes through her life and you say oh look great artist she did all this stuff could have very simply been uh, like This is just, you know, endless sob story. Um, But I think what the film does a great job of is interweaving, because there's a lot of tragedy in her life. It's kind of defined by tragedy. Interweaving the tragedy with sort of a lot of the beautiful moments that she was able to capture in her art and what she's since created in her activism. Um, And so, yeah, I think it has been rightly lauded. I think it won the Golden Lion. Venice film festival and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. which film festival?
0: Venice. Venice. Wow. So yeah, it's I found out it's on HBO. So I actually might just watch that because I have HBO Max. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is on
1: HBO Max. Okay, good. Really great. Even just as like, if you want to learn more about mm-hmm. what was going on in the eighties, or even just about the, you know, mm-hmm. opioid crisis in America, which is you know. People.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I haven't really seen a film that like covers these sorts of subjects. It's just like sometimes those those areas get a little too personal for me. But I am still very interested to learn more in the fact that like, yeah. this is such a big recommendation. I'm super interested. It
1: grounds it really well in her story. let me put this down. Which I think makes it nice more palatable. Really Wow. But yeah, it's a very very good film. Mm-hmm. Thank you you know I think that the title (coughs) captures it all perfectly you know all the beauty and bullshit Mm. so everything that comes with that
0: but yeah we can move on to the next one okay right. do you want to go to yours Luke
2: sure my number 10 is Neptune Frost um have you seen it you need to
1: explain what this I don't actually know what this movie is yeah I don't know what this is
2: I thought people actually uh, I like I knew I know a lot of, not a lot of people have it's like seen a it, but Afro I thought
3: Afrofuturism thing. Right? Oh yes.
2: Yeah, it? it's, it's a what, what was the sentence I used to describe it? Nep- Neptune an experimental lo-fi uh, radical cyberpunk musical. Oh my god, that's um, awesome. Afrofuturist is also a word that I would use to describe it. Um, directed by Saul Williams and an- an- Anicia Anisia Uz- Izumin, I think so pronounce her last name. Um, she both of them and it's all well, about like a musician. So the movie has a very like musical bent to it, um, like it is. It is a musical at its core, but the songs are like not always about like the plot, and, or sometimes the songs just like become the plot. It's it's so weird. So, mm, someone just pitched me on why I need to watch Tenet. And it's that it's because it's like a vibes based movie. Like you should like you shouldn't have is to like me? the vibes are they are, are immaculate mm-hmm. I literally and Watched it two, like three days
1: ago. Yeah, it was you did. It was, it was, I, it was team. Yeah,
2: and I think what <laughs> I, cause I hearing that page about ten is what makes you want to see it more. I, w- I would love a film that makes as little sense to me as a little as little material sense as possible and more focused on like in a, some a following an emotional through line through things and I think. That's kind of how you have to also approach Neptune Frost, is because you take it on face level and it's about like uh, like a hacker exp- like like leading like a revolution against a technocratic authoritarian uh, state that all- but it also kind of exists in, in like the real world because they mention like United States and they mention like mining companies and they mention like Russia and they mention a bunch of things. Um, it's a film that's definitely dealing with like the legacy of colonialism and stuff like that. Um, but it also kind of is, operates on, like, a sort of dream logic, where, like, uh, characters will, like, wake up and, like, characters will, like, find themselves all together in one location, despite not being together for, for like, at any point in the movie before that. Um, and, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about it. I think, honestly, I haven't found the time to see it again since I first saw it at SIF last year, but, um, it really is something that's truly special, and... Uh, definitely unlike pretty much anything else that I've ever seen. Um cool. nice. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, I heard a Twitch
0: streamer say that if you go off of pure vibes with Tenet, it's one of the greatest films ever made. So yeah, I, 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 <laughs> You know him? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's funny that he
2: said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Neptune Frost Tenet.
0: I like I Produced
1: by Produced by Lin Manuel Miranda. No, produced
2: by Ezra Miller. <laughs> no, oh. it's not. Are you serious? Is it all produced by Ezra Miller? That's very funny. Not produced by Lin Manuel Miranda. It's executive. <laughs> it's executive produced by Lin Manuel Miranda. So it's he's his name is on there somewhere. I'll still see it because I because I watched because I was in the theater. I was like like the the ending hits me. I'm watching the credits and then then just and then like two minutes into the credits, Lin Manuel Miranda's name scrolls by and I'm like. And that's why it's number 10. And, and that's why like number <laughs> yeah. you know, 10. Yeah, yeah, b- yeah, as much as I love this movie, I can never forgive Lynn Miranda for what he did to culture. True. True. Um, yeah, Anthony you, Harrison. <laughs> right.
3: Okay, so uh, for my number 10, it's Terrifier 2, mm. directed by Damien Leone. And. This is honestly just, like, an A for effort thing for me. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, the first Terrifier movie is so bad. Like, people will describe horror movies as, like, torture porn. Yeah, The first one is quite literally, like, woman walks into a room, gets stripped naked, sawed in half, and just, like, rinse and repeat for, like, 90 minutes. And it, that movie is just awful. But... What it did have going for it is that it had a mime character called Art the Clown. And he's just like this Buster Keaton-ish uh, murder clown. Uh, Buster Keaton
2: murder clown.
0: Yeah. 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 You, you um, have the greatest description right, for it. Play, right. Played
3: by uh, David Howard Thornton. He's yeah. great. Uh, anyway, so the first Terrifier, spoiler, it ends with Art the Clown uh, in a violent confrontation with the cops. <laughs> and he dies a valiant and heroic death. Uh, but Terrifier 2 just opens like he's alive again. He He's like, in his dead body's in the morgue and it just wakes up. And it just, it gets right to it. He like, like ki- he kicks Lown- the shit the tower, so. out of some mortician. Uh, and then the whole movie just uh, progresses from there. And... Yeah, uh, Terrifier two got a lot of uh, coverage for its like it's the nastiest, grossest, most disgusting movie ever. Oh my god! And you know people were barfing or whatever. People I didn't. Were I, or... I didn't barf, by the way. <laughs> I You're a big boy. <laughs> You're a big boy. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And a large part of that's because it's like a self financed movie. Mm. It's not a studio movie, so. Maybe it, like
1: eighty
3: thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, it had it, it had like a ten times multiplier at the box. No, it was more than that. Like yeah, it was. I don't know. It made a lot of money for what it would cost. Uh, but anyway, it's out of the studio system, so it just it it doesn't understand the concept of like oh this is poor taste. We shouldn't do this. <laughs> it's it just like it just does it over and over again uh, and. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's wild. Uh, When the movie ended, there was, like, a behind-the-scenes documentary with Damien Leone about the special effects work on the movie. And that's just the sort of thing that's, like, I don't know, I can hype it up. It's, like, it's so, you know, again, it's so nasty, it's so gross. But I just feel like there's, like, an underlying, like, art to it of, like, good gore. Mm -hmm. Because it's all practical effects gore. Uh And it's just... And it's why it's everything I love about horror movies. Honestly, it's just it's they're so tactile. They just have this great texture Yeah, this texture to them, and you can feel it in your bones. Yeah, right. It's like yeah.
0: I don't know. I feel like for me, I like, it, it, like I can't watch the Saw movies. I yeah. feel just like straight. No, like, I understand. Porn, you like, know. Literally, I just like I hate this. Yeah, right. yeah, I don't, I don't know. know if I could watch that. <laughs> It's it's just it's a movie for the guys who've seen it all. Okay, you know? then yeah, then yeah. <laughs> it's I don't know. You crave more, and this is weird. Right, doing. and
3: since I've seen Terrifier two, I feel like slasher movies have just been worse to me. Like <laughs> they
2: could scr- be slashing way.
3: Yeah, scr- they be slashing no, Scream way six came out, and everybody's like, you know, this movie's brutal, and it, it's just I see like the CGI gore, and I just feel nothing.
0: It's like up next is just literally killing people. It's like finally what I actually yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. What?
3: It's like I can't go back to digital gore in studio movies, I mean, I which, would, which like, is everywhere now, by the way. Like you can't watch like Cocaine Bear has like digital gore all over the place. Renfield, and it's mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like it's just good to get back to basics. Like <laughs> no, I got I got twenty bucks. I'm going to buy a bunch of fake blood, and I'm going to make, like, a weird animatronic of oh, some yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah, And I'm just going to rip it in half, <laughs> and, your bare hands. and there's going to be a scene where the clown guy comes in with, like, a sand bucket full of table salt. And he rubs it all over her wounds. Oh my god! And then he, and then he comes in with a bottle of bleach and pours it. Over. I don't know. I just
2: want to remind you that we're recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This will be used against you. Yeah, well, I, I, it's, yeah. It gave me some ideas. I so don't know. know that too. <laughs> I, I
3: don't know. It's like, oh, that's it's
0: no, just no, first all, like. mm. It's just
3: the epitome of like dumb, fun horror movies. It is the capstone. Of yeah. 2022 or I mean, in my has room. always
0: done practical best. No matter what history. Yeah. It's not even fair. Unironically,
3: thing. deserve best makeup at the Oscars over the whale. Okay.
1: <laughs> it was made for $250,000. Well, that's a
3: sort of, It's kind of fishy, because it's like there's one scene that he wanted to crowdfund in particular. And they just, like, massively overshot the fan support to fund one scene so it's probably more than two hundred fifty thousand okay. dollars, mm. but, but the, big, in that range,
2: less million. than a million. I don't know.
3: The actual budget's unknown, but it's just it's cheap as hell. I'm willing to bet it's less than a million. The and only thing that
1: put me off from going to see it was that it was two hours and
0: eight yeah, minutes. it's it's okay. That's a, it's more than two hours. Yeah,
3: that's like the one thing I I can hold against it. Really, is that like again, it's away from the studios. So you can it do whatever you want. like I don't, it should be like <laughs> a one hundred sixty <laughs> minute <laughs> epic.
2: Yeah, it's a, it know. you know,
3: <laughs> but, but yeah, um, no, it's in, yeah,
2: I it's filled say. with
3: gags. It's very fun. Okay, Buster you can uh, move on now.
0: Okay,
2: well,
3: so
0: I was want to. Oh, oh me again! Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. We clarify like the reason why though. We because never explained our process. Yeah, so.
1: Sure, I guess we should have done that earlier. It's Whoops. okay. It's okay. It only come up so comes up now.
0: So here we go. <laughs> um, but I have my number ten as the Northman. Um, but the way things are going to work for this specific podcast is that if someone has the same film higher on their list, we are going to delegate and save that discussion for for later, for yeah. when we I'm actually sure reach we the get, the get to the point. highest point. Mm-hmm. And
1: so from now on, we just won't even mention our whatever number sure. if it comes up higher. Yeah,
0: we'll just say, like, we'll skip to the next person and then they'll say their number and then their film. Yeah, gotcha. so. sounds good. So right. moving on so back to Harrison. Christmas. Harrison.
3: Okay, so for my number nine pick, it's uh, Happening by Audrey Dewan. It's a French movie uh, adapted from the novel of the same name. It's one. It's considered one of the great uh, feminist uh, novels, as far as I'm aware. So the movie's just about a young college student, Anne, uh, in 1960s France, who gets an unexpected pregnancy and... Uh, abortion is just not an option so it basically just chronicles like her life uh over the next several months and i don't know i don't want to sound like man like i watched this movie and it made me realize how tough it is to be a woman you know
2: <laughs> i don't want to sound like i only that. became a feminist after a while but it's just
3: this great character study of like mm-hmm. why we need to have pro-choice why there needs to be an option Yeah, for people, Um, Mm -hmm. because just throughout the movie, it's like, and I don't want to sound like, like, you know, it's a very sensitive subject, the subject of abortion, (laughs) you know, but uh, it's just, it has this, it's so intense. It's, it was like, I, it made me realize something about myself that's like, I tend to like, lower rate my movies if they made me like really really uncomfortable but it's just this movie stuck with me mm-hmm. and i watched it in like may of last year which is a year ago at this point
0: i think it's worthy of credibility it makes you uncomfortable but not in the way that it's like it's a turn off but it's like it's supposed to make you realize something and that's totally that's totally fine i think it's actually for like a number of reasons, why some people have very distinct favorite films, even if it might not be someone else's, so I think it's actually really cool. Yeah,
3: and then it's like, no, I won't, I won't spoil it. Never mind. Okay, okay, but right. it, it's it's pretty uh, mm-hmm. pulls no punches. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: But yeah, I don't know. It's an incredible movie. Uh, I'm re- I'm good to move on though. All right,
2: thank you. I don't think I've heard of this film before, so I'm gonna have to check it out. I'll put it on my list now. Thank you. Thank you. So we are now going to move on to Luke's number 8, which is 3,000 Years of Longing, directed by George Miller, famed director of Happy Feet, and <laughs> Happy Feet 2. That's um, true. It's true. Have, how many of you seen, did, have any of you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen no. Okay, I've seen it. I enjoyed I, it. Yes, no. Good movie, I would say. I wish more people had seen it. It kind of feels like this was like, I feel like this is like the movie, this is the movie I'm kind of most miffed about people missing like or, or also just not only because there are a lot of movies that like weren't seen by uh, on our list that weren't seen by white audiences but i feel like at least got some of that clout back whether it be in like rr say was like very much <clears throat> i'm talking talking about it's like, it's like western it obviously was the biggest movie in india and stuff because you know tollywood and all that um but um like thousand years long, I just feel it's moved out because it didn't. It didn't get a wide audience reception. Didn't really get a super strong critic. Like aside from people kind of liking it, didn't get super strong critical reception. And then it was kind of not present at all during the award season. So it kind of just came out and then went away and wasn't talked about that much. And I, eh, I'm kind of and like I didn't think I didn't think it was like um like a genre defining or like super climactic movie in any way, but. It's a really, but I think it's like a really, really good movie from George Miller. Kind of doing like the inverse of what he did with Mad Max: Fury Road. If you think of Mad Max: Fury Road as like one long continuous story that moves through like one space and then goes and then goes back, and you'd like you know the plot of Mad Max: Fury Road. This is kind of almost an inverse of that story, which is like intentionally cut up into various different anthologies and even the larger story itself takes place in a very fractured kind of way in different locations. The, the
1: plot of the film a bit.
2: Yeah, it's... The film follows uh, Tilda Swinton who's a... What's her name, A narratologist? She's
1: like a, She studies... She studies... Stories. The study of yeah. stories
2: is what it is. narrat. Something they, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and her whole thing is that like as society moves into more of like a... Tech uh, like a technology focused modern capitalist world, the tales of old become less and less relevant to today's society. And then she winds up me, and then she goes to uh, a, like a conference out in I forget what country. Istanbul. Yes, Istanbul, and she happens upon she comes into the possession of a magic lamp which has Idris Elba in it, <laughs> um, a djinn, and gives her three wishes and but Before Giving His wishes, basically recounts to her this story of his life essentially throughout the ages um, and various other people who have held the lamp because um, her whole thing is like she doesn't believe uh, that like her that this is like a good idea because like you know the old saying of how like you know all of the G- all of the genie stories are cautionary tales and stuff like that oh. and the movie is sort of confronting those kinds of things and mm, yeah I don't want to say too much more than that, I just think, like, it's, it's a kind of movie that deals, like, it goes into the, goes into, like, the heart of, like, why we tell stories as humans, like, what's the point, I and, like, I think ultimately makes the argument that stories are what makes us human, um, and, yeah, it's, I mean, it's certainly not, like, the all-timer that is about Max Fury Road, but it's, like, it's still a, a director working at, like, the height of his craft, and I'm sad that I didn't get more attention.
1: Yeah. It's a very heartfelt film. Yes. I feel like it's very romantic about the idea of storytelling mm-hmm. um, and sort of the connection that it can create between people. Yeah. Like, and how that can create sort of like a mm-hmm. like a protective boundary for that relationship from the sort of endless, you know, noise of the outside world. Right. You know? um, yeah, I don't know. I thought
2: it was a... It was like... A, it's like a nice little film, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very, like... Yeah, heartfelt is the right word. Very, like, emotions are a very strong thing. Like, you know, love, grief, lust, all of, like, are, like, these, like, big engines driving, like, historical forces. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, it's... It's a lot. I and mean, it's really good, I think. I it's, think that... Oh. You can go ahead. Oh, sorry. I
3: think that... It, like, sparked a theory in me that I think, like, action directors make really great romance movies... When they're trying to, that's that's a key asterisk, because mm-hmm. uh, there's just something about like the spectacle of action movies that just translates really well into this kind of thing, of the just the epic like romantic, because uh, it, again it's, it's three it's, too. it's, it's three thousand years of longing like that's a lot of years of longing
1: that is a lot. A lot. and it makes so many years. It's just. This, does a really good job of portraying the enormity of that. Yeah,
2: yeah. like, like, <laughs> like there are parts. Where when we were hits, You like, shit. This man was longing for three thousand years. How, like, how
0: long is the movie again? Three thousand years. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. true. Okay. Yeah. Longest movie ever. I'm actually
2: still watching it right now. Oh my god. I'm <laughs> still behind. Probably
0: like two hours or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Any filler arcs? I'm just kidding. So, yeah, the,
3: like, the final act of the movie is the filler <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: of Do we want to move on? But I, I I was going to see 3,000 Years of Longing. I think I just, like, I, I had other things going on. Because when was it even released last year? August. Like, I, fuck, I fucking don't remember. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, I think... It was, August. I think, August. August. Because yeah. I saw it before school started, I think. Okay. But, like, the same month that school started. sorry right.
0: I'll, yeah. I'll probably reconsider watching it. Because I, like... George Miller stuff, mm-hmm. even Happy Feet. I'm just kidding. So, just kidding. Happy Feet's great. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember for some reason, like when the, when the real humans showed up, I was like really freaked out as a kid. Like, oh my god. You guys remember
1: the quote from my Mad Max presentation? Uh, oh yeah, it's like if you make me. If I do another like penguin movie, I'm gonna kill myself. Right. <laughs> it was, like, if the studio came to me and said, come up with an idea for Happy Feet 3, I'd say, (laughs) shoot (laughs) me. Yeah. Yeah. The original Happy Feet was
0: good. I just remember being scarred from it because I was a child, and it mixed reality with, like, animated penguins dancing. But... For three thousand,
2: I know that at one hey, point. Sorry, I know that at one point the president of the United States says we're gonna bang up the sign no fishing. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> I remember that one. Me. I don't remember that. Don't know, like a zoo scene, but <laughs> I don't even remember anything else
0: that happens in that movie. <laughs> but we uh, we should probably move on. I'm okay, sorry. Uh um, we can move on to my film yeah. for my number eight, which is Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Marcel so, is moving. No one had this on their list, which is fine. I, so this is directed by Dean Fleischer-Camp, um, and it kind of has a long history of, like, how long it's being made. So, I can't remember when the original Marcel the Shell short was posted on YouTube. It was, like, it was, like, early YouTube. Say Marcel the
2: Shell with the shoes on five times. (laughs) I'm not gonna do that. It's a long
0: title. I just say Marcel the Shell. But, Mm -hmm. he and Jenny Slate, I know were dating at the time, and that's why she even voiced the original Marcel the Shell, um. And it was like it was really cute, and I don't know what prompted A twenty four to like want to revisit this YouTube short so many years later, but it'd be really good and very successful. But like it, you, you, were talking about heartfelt, um, and I think like this movie is just full of heart. So, the entire time you're just like loving the, the sheer innocence of Marcel, because he really does not understand how big the world actually is, and like as he's confronting it, he's starting to like get more emotional like he, his relationship with his grandma especially which is so so cute is um it's it's sort of starting to to uh it's starting to break down just because like he's dealing with fame even as a weird shell he's dealing with like love and loss as a shell with his family that he's trying to find the whole thing is him trying to find his family and eventually he I'll, I won't spoil anything if you want to know more about it but I, I, I just I think like the little in between moments that the film portrays um, and like how creative he is and how small he is but like he's sort of captured the hearts of so many people is really endearing to me um, I know the, the quote's been said like the smallest of creatures have the biggest hearts or whatever but I just kept finding myself like getting like emotional every single time Marcel was like discovering something for the first time it was like really watching a like a child, interact with stuff. It was really cute. Um, I think Jenny Slate did a great job. Um, and I, I imagine the budget must have been, like, really low for this movie. I mean, I know Dean fleischer Camp did a lot of the animation, too. But um, either way, I, I wanted to include this because I remember the feeling I had when I watched it in the theater, and I wanted, that's why I put it at least at an eight. Because like I'm not gonna forget like the feeling I had when I first watched it. That usually determines like how I rank things, um, and for me, yeah, Marcel the show. Did you
1: see it, Sif, as well?
0: Yeah, I CIF? sat behind you, dude. Okay, I'm just, i I'm sorry. <laughs> You said hi to me, but it's I don't. It, but the point is, I I think everyone in the theater liked it too.
1: Yeah, it was a fun little movie. Yeah. It's pleasant. Yeah. pleasant.
0: And uh, again, it's not like. The movie that makes you like contemplate life in every aspect of the word, but like I I generally enjoy films that like at least make you appreciate things a little bit more, because it's not about like rethinking things; it's more about like appreciating things in a different light. That's kind of why I liked it's such a beautiful day. It kind of made me appreciate like things a lot more than I already did. So we can we can move on, um, which I think. We're going to go to PJ. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah PJ. PJ. Uh, with his number seven film, which is titled... Broker, Broker. Broker.
1: directed by Hirokazu Koreeda, Japanese director, think his first foray into Korean language filmmaking. He actually made, I think it was two years ago, he made a film called The Truth, which is his first film in English and French, which he doesn't speak Either of those languages, so I don't know how he made that. He doesn't speak Korean either.
2: Um, I mean, but yeah, so Park Chan-wook um, doesn't, doesn't speak English, and he's directed some English-language films, right? He probably speaks some English. Probably speaks some English. Um, but I've never seen like an interview liable where he like Oh, whatever, yeah, okay. Um
1: <laughs> So yeah, um, this film is about a baby, uh, baby broker, um, well, baby brokers. So basically, mm. in South Korea and lots of other countries. Um there's practice of baby boxes where mothers can, you know, leave their children um like at certain areas and the baby will be taken care of. Um and basically the film follows Song Kang ho, the one of the greatest actors of all time, mm-hmm. a South Korean legend, um, um, and his partner and they work at one of these churches that has one of these but basically they have a side business where if babies are put in the boxes you know they take them out and they you know put them in, delete the security footage and then they you know sell the baby to some wealthy family who can't have a baby of their own um and so um the story then follows them doing this but then the mother ends up coming back for their baby um and then the story is them sort of going through that journey with her as she knows that she can't take care of this baby but then they're sort of going through the process of finding the parents for the baby together Um, um, it's sort of a spiritual you know sequel not really a sequel but like um, a similar piece to his previous film Shoplifters Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, this is kind of a trope that's developed now, but sort of the idea of found family. Um, But I think, given the unique talents of Corey and, you know, his long career is, most of it is dealt with, like, dealing with complex family dynamics and sort of the, like, intimate moments, intimate and mundane moments that you can find, like, in these small interactions. Um... And so what this film ends up doing is sort of following that lens, creating a found family story between mm-hmm. this like strange group of people, like people who were intending on selling the mother's baby, the mother herself, the baby. They end up pick, picking up this kid from an orphanage um, who one of the um, Kang Ho's partner, like formerly was an orphan as well, um, at that orphanage and sort of they just like put together this like you know strange family which is like something that's been done many times in film Um, but I think the unique talents of Corrieta like sort of elevate the emotional impact um, in that like he sort of provides other perspectives as well because like throughout they're sort of being chased by a pair of detectives and you sort of see how they grow like in getting more and more information, they like, you know, they sort of like come to empathize with, you know, the people with the baby and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of really tender moments, a lot of, it's really well shot um, um, in a way that is unique to core creative films. Yeah. anybody else see it? Yes. Right. Okay,
3: we'll use it. Um, I just think it's just interesting. Uh, it's like this really, like... To me, it's like this horrifying concept on paper of, like, two child traffickers help a young mother sell her child. Yeah. But it's just, like... Coriada just, like, strips all the, like, judgment of that away and just mm-hmm. gets straight to, like, the... Just... This raw empathy. Yeah. For sure. I... Mm-hmm. That, I don't know. That was an interesting... It's, it's grown on me a lot since I watched it.
1: <clears throat>
3: mm-hmm. um, I yeah. Great movie.
1: Yeah. I think it's... I think... I mean... A lot of films like try to... Like try really hard to show empathy for their characters. Um, but I think the way that creative like films and edits in a way I mean I think it's a little similar to like Edward Yang even in like the way that sort of parallelism just like effortlessly is constructed in the way that the sequences of events occur um and so I think it's ultimately considerably more effortless and much more meaningful to the viewer um and there's some, there's some pretty spectacular moments um, throughout the film as well. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, well, about. <laughs> All right, um, that's on. Broker.
2: That's Broker. I, have, I, oh, I should check that out. I've been meaning to check out Shopple just for a while, but I did not realize they had a film that came out last year. Yeah, shoplift yeah. is on my watch list for sure.
0: But we can move on to Luke with his number seven film. Uh, do you mean to say it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, then we'll actually move on past my You <laughs> already said it. Yeah, nope. I know that's the. Best, wow,
2: films. So I'm in a comedy writing class right now. <laughs> sure. um, yeah, um, yeah. My number seven film is Nope, the first Jordan Peele film, ever. Ever <laughs> that I've seen, uh, and yeah, I feel like I've been missing out, kind of, because Nope was pretty good. Um, I really don't got much more to say than that. Uh, it's. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I I feel, ah, it's the end of the year. People have seen all these movies. Describe (laughs) the film. Aliens. Um, It's basically, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is on a farm with a bunch of horses that he's inherited from his dad uh, very, 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 very recently after the film starts because his dad is struck by an object that fell from the sky. And so a sort of kind of trying to take over the family business in like a film in a kind of new film industry that doesn't really have a need <laughs> for like practical real animals like that anymore and so the and like it starts off with him kind of bonding with his sister over that uh, and then some freaky shit starts happening with aliens and then also there's a monkey at one point um I love Gordy I love Gordy yeah I know like that one of the more terrifying scenes I think I've seen in a hot minute of film, of, like, modern filmmaking, um, but yeah, it's, I'm just, I just like, I like, like, it's just like a good movie from head to toe, like, it's, it's, uh, a well-made thriller movie, it's exciting, it's quite terrifying, it gives, and it gives something to on, like, a little bit to think about in the little brain space, um, and is also kind of, like, even though it ends on a really, like, upbeat note and uh, with the Akira slide. Yeah. Um, it is also kind of, like, presents a very dark, like, outlook on the universe and man's place within it. Um, well, I mean specifically, I would say. Yes, and, it, like, and of course, like, that's, that's like, the, un- the universal reading it is also, that would be, to only you say that would be ignoring the ways it's specifically about. Like the modern film industry, um, like the like this, like Jordan Peele made this film, sort like almost as sort of as his attempt to save the blockbuster. And I don't think he was thinking he was going to do that, but he but he wanted to make a movie that was both an exciting movie full of visual spectacle, but also a movie that reflected his outlook on the entertainment industry. And I think it really, sure. I, th- I think it really does thread that needle quite well.
1: Yeah, I think spectacle is the defining, because right. like, he's both presenting us with amazing spectacle, but then also analyzing mm-hmm. what that means to be a viewer who is solely intrigued yeah. by spectacle. And nothing um, else. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and sort of how Hollywood buys into those narratives and forces them upon people. people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think most of all, in doing, but in doing so he also creates like an amazing spectacle that's right. uh, super exciting to
0: watch are we seeing like that Jupe and like his actions are more representative of Hollywood Jupe
3: yeah, that's Steven yun right
0: yeah because yeah, I, 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 I kept hearing that word spectacle being tossed around but I, I I don't see people giving it a lot of context so I want to see I would like, say Steven. and how they how that is shown I would say
1: I think the idea I think the Trope throughout the film of the fact that you have to. I don't. Know, I don't want to spoil I, it. No, I know. We don't have to say it if you don't want to looking, spoil it. But like the mm-hmm. fact that looking is the central okay. cause of antagonism. Mm-hmm. Um, with the villain of the film. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. That's good. <laughs> the, <laughs> the villain is important. But i also think man. Definitely the Gordy sequence, which is un- unbelievable. I love that sequence. Um, is like. And then, like I think, connecting that with Stephen Yeun's character, the way he acts after that, mm-hmm. I think is there's some interesting things to be dug up there.
0: Uh, I initially, when I first saw it, I actually did not like the movie. I was yeah, I was, we watched it. I was next to you. And we yeah, were like I don't get it. I was yeah. very upset. I was very angry because I knew going in just how good Jordan Peele was as a director. Like after coming off from Get Out and Us, I was my my expectations were like at an all-time high and I should have not expected a horror film going in because it really it really isn't that at all I agree
3: I actually disagree I (laughs) thought in terms of like scaring the shit out of me (laughs) Nope is actually like on top like there's a scene uh, set to the song Sunglasses at Night Mm -hmm. by Corey Hart that spooked the shit out of me that was really scary
1: I would agree that it's (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not it like a horror movie, I think though. it's... Yeah, I think it's much more influenced by things like... Well, Jaws... Spielberg. Yeah, Jaws is a horror movie, though.
0: I don't want to get too much of... I don't want to talk too much about the Jaws metaphor, because <laughs> if it's a spoiler... Yeah, a little oh, bit.
3: okay. Is it... Little, well, I mean, you do not say anything about yeah, it. Okay. About but yeah, But,
0: yes, you know. I've seen it plenty of times compared to Jaws. I think, um, I mean, I think... Yeah, I think...
1: He's definitely, because he's such an excellent horror director, he Mm. definitely, like, sticks with that a lot, especially early on in the film, I would say. I think the latter half of the film is definitely sort of, like,
0: I would
2: say every it felt like an action film. It's in like action, action
1: adventure mm-hmm. almost. You know? I would ah. say that
2: like it definitely felt like that in the very last sequence of the film. Def- mm-hmm. By the end, I think mm-hmm. it's abandoned any pretense of being a horror film. But I would I would agree with Harrison that at least for the first two th- like everything up to Stephen Yuen's whole thing with no, the... in- especially that, especially that, like that. almost that's like almost like the peak. Like that and the chimp, the chimpanzee scene are like the peak of the movie's horror. It,
0: it defied my expectations greatly because going in, I expected it to be. Horror, and I think it mm. takes bits and pieces of the horror genre, especially with like the main antagonist mm. and like who we're dealing with. But then sometimes flips that idea on its head, right? Um, and I think perhaps
2: maybe that's yeah. a criticism you can make of the movie is mm. that you can really tell when it shifts away from you wanting to terrify you and more wanting to be exciting and mm. thrilling. On like a first in the last time watch, on, watch, on a first-time watch, definitely. I mean, I, again, I, this is, that's that's something I would actually love like to think about more if I when I rewatch it uh, is it's chopped as a horror film. Uh, I mean. Um,
0: I, I was. My main takeaways of why I love it so much was I think Kiki Palmer's performance was yes. legendary. And I thought the fact it was shot in IMAX in all daylight was also so very cool. fast. Wait, what? I was going to
2: say, well, uh, well, you, yes, the, the fucking cinematography on oh like, the movie. Oh my God. the night scenes, the yeah. sky. Well,
1: I think that goes along with the idea. That, I mean, I think of how much more influenced by the history of Blockbuster yeah. cinema it is than.
0: Very literate. And that, that
2: that makes that argument a yeah. lot more valid. I was and, just going to say that... Some pe- I saw some people saying that Kaluuya and... Palmer didn't have like good chemistry in this movie. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. That, that's, so no, that's wrong. Wrong. Exactly. I, there, I've read I read reviews at websites, like actual websites, yeah, not, 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 like, not like not like dumbass <laughs> websites that are somehow wrong. I mean, it's like what, actual. Like that
1: fucking Manola <laughs> that's, that's insane. No, yeah. I
2: think it was like an AV Club or
0: something.
1: I was like, yeah, like I was so. blown away by
0: the chemistry between them. Yeah, I mean, like their yeah. chemistry was great. It was their chemistry was great. Was great. And shout yeah. out to Daniel Kaluuya, doing it great. Best
3: actor in the world, maybe. Up uh, there,
0: up there. No, I, I mean, mean Ryan Gosling. Okay, for the nice guys. Um, yeah. I would but, say Tony Leon. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you put horror or or nope on the list. Glad I put horror on the list. I think A it's terrifying I also
1: like the film for like, he's just like engaging in all his little like obsessions with Hollywood history as well. Like, oh yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. with the whole like, you know black horse rider thing, and then there's, like, the that one right. camera, like, the non-electrical cameras. The
2: one fries electronics is just, like, a that subtle awesome. reference to being in L.A. Like, there's so many, like, tiny little things like that, but it's, like, you can tell, like, it's just someone um, putting what they love on the page. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, um, he always does a good job at doing black-centered stories, but also,
0: like, the way he grapples with history and, like, more discrimination within film um, and, like, completely says fuck you to that and does... Absolutely different stories that are wild and, all and even like the millions. history of using animals in film. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's Which true. I, like I feel like that's like a central part of that. Film yeah. For I mean, sure. The more we talk about this, the more I can see like our, I feel how it addresses Hollywood and like yeah. blockbusters in general. So
3: now I feel guilty for shouting out E. O. <laughs> uh. Yeah, George hates you now. <laughs> I mean, that film was about how that's bad. Yeah. My yeah. other yeah.
2: biggest criticism of Nope is that it's not enough Keith David. He gets off too quickly in the beginning, that's and isn't like one like kind of dream sequence, and that's about it. Yeah. Need more No, can't go wrong with and David. That's what I say.
1: But yeah, great pick. I mean, I would have had it as an honorable mention. If yeah. You didn't have I, for sure. I
0: had it as an honorable mention.
2: But, yeah, I'm glad we could wait till now. again. But, again, like Nope, at least got actually like Nope would probably be up if Nope actually did get a lot of talked about when it came out. I think mostly because it was a Jordan Peele movie, and mm-hmm. Jordan Peele has a lot of like street cred amongst like people who watch movies, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I feel, I feel I wish Nope was another film that I wish got more recognition. Absolutely. Certainly amongst uh, cri- like critical top ten lists. Yeah, and, and mean, then also like, it was a
1: huge. Cu- I feel like it was a pretty big cultural thing, and it made a bunch of money. It it, it, it definitely
2: it, it it. But it just like it was a box office like, success, but it didn't. I don't think it was a big as big a cultural thing as Get Out or. No, for sure. No. And I think part of that it was, was because it, it was it was it, it was remember like it was still wasn't less bigger. Like, it, it
1: didn't well, I, uh, Us was kind of a big deal, too. I mean, I, th- that's the thing. Is like, uh, is he's a unique reference. filmmaker, and that he's like, he's definitely an art house filmmaker, and he has that art house audience who loves him. But he's mm-hmm. also like. It's like Christopher Nolan, I feel. In like, like, a thing like a popular right. genre, but then also he has the black audience. Um, and so he's like, he has a unique audience that I think it's insane that he continually, like,
2: just. He's one of the most, most interesting directors. Um, like, like, quote unquote, new director. I mean, new, new directors. Yeah. No, I should say that is like cause relative, like, because, like, like, obviously, three films in is more films than most people will ever have in their lifetime. But, like, in the span of like what we call the greats, that's quite early on. So, like, he's just gonna be a great guy to watch, I For feel. Sure. Last thing I'll say,
0: I think. Watching Nope was also one of the most fun theater experiences ever. Everyone I'm glad was, I made it, made it. it. was cool. so. Everyone oh, was that, everyone was just, that lady. who was like she was shouting. So, like a white person. Yeah, it, I, was, I was more just like impressed. Like she called out every single thing that was like wrong. It's like don't go in there. Don't do that thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. It's super
2: fun. Don't don't get sucked into the alien spaceship. Hey. Dude, just, <laughs> sorry. Is this, this sarcastic alien, this do this you actually movie?
3: enjoy when that happens? Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I, I think it's fun. I, I
0: didn't enjoy it, but it Maybe. was fun. I mean, I didn't say I didn't. Wait, I said it was fun. Okay, but I think we can move on to I guess Harrison's number seven now. Babylon. Right. Babylon,
3: Babylon. Babylon by Damien Chazelle. Uh, I think it's it's a difficult one to talk about. It's very uh, controversial. But I think whether you like it or not, you have the respect that he got that hundred million dollars or what and just fucking kamikaze it into the ground, <laughs> <laughs> like. He was. It was never going to make money. It opens with a bunch of elephant shit. It was never going to get an Oscar either. Mm -hmm. So it's just in this weird, like, liminal space of it's like it's this crazy expensive movie that's like for him Mm -hmm. and him only. And somehow he got that money. Mm -hmm. I think Damien Chazelle did a good job the last ten years.
2: If they said the movie was Uh, was. Directed by the guy who made The Holland and not directed by Damien Chazelle, I think more people would have gone and seen it.
3: Well, I, I think he did a really good job the last ten years of, like, pretending to be a normal guy. <laughs> Just so he could get Babylon money and drop that. But, uh, and I, I should explain what Babylon's about, I guess. Uh, it's, I mean, <laughs> there's, like, a bunch of main characters. They're all, like, silent era film Stars Stars and some behind-the-scenes people as well. Uh, And it just Mm. follows them along as uh, the jazz singer comes out. Unheard of film. Uh, And we got sound in our movies now. And how does that change the landscape of everything? Um, But, okay, again, there's this line in the movie that felt pretty prophetic to me, almost, of, like, Brad Pitt's character is talking to his, like, eighth wife or whatever, (laughs) and uh, she's, like, a Broadway actress, he's, you know, Hollywood actor on the down and out, and he says, like, if you make something that a thousand people enjoy, it's a success. If I make something that a thousand people enjoy, it's a flop. Mm-hmm. And and again, that's just what I enjoyed about this, like
2: the relativism in the entertainment.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, I've always struggled to int- intellectualize this one, mm-hmm. especially you know the ending. Is that is that dumb as fuck? Is it genius? Yeah, but- Who knows?
2: If only Damien Chazelle had showed up to that screening that was... Oh, right, yeah. I was so, you could yeah. have asked him. I would have
3: asked him. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would have. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't show up to my very personal screening for me. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
3: But what but else?
1: I was also
0: at... Yeah. Right. Okay.
2: Um, I have friends there. There were two. They didn't get to see Damien. They went to a bar afterward and got really drunk. <laughs> Everyone went to, <laughs> to the see that was... one
0: instead of my showing of Carol, which is so sad. Oh, okay. Well,
2: hmm mm, mm. That was a really good shot. Girl. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. Babylon, I I'm think, glad I watched. I'm, I
0: think mm-hmm. you
1: have maybe. I like the film. I don't know if I like the film. See, I like. This is the thing about <laughs> Babylon. Is like there's like parts of great flourish. And yes. Parts where I think it's kind of dumb. Right. And so I don't know. Like I don't think it does a necessarily a good job of portraying 20s Hollywood really um although it does I do think it, it, it. you know it gets into some interesting ideas of just like you know how like the black experience in that right like yeah the, the guy has to like darken his own skin to like show up on the camera and stuff like that even just like the like sort of racism inherent in like technology itself you know mm-hmm. right um was interesting um but I think um, I think I don't know, it's less of like this great experimental film in and of itself. yeah but more so in its excess, really you know? right Which I don't know maybe that's what you like about it, which is fair.
3: Yeah, I don't know. it's just again it just m- movies of its scale the movies and of its subject matter don't exist right now for the most part. Mm-hmm.
2: I love the expression of Damien Chazelle Giselle kamikazeing a hundred billion dollars into the ground. I mean, you, you just like, it's like really unique to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the
3: thing, them, thing like, is like, also, when I watched it the first time, I hadn't seen Singing in the Rain. And, oh, I, ha- I, and I hadn't name. seen uh, Francois Truffaut's Day for Night, mm. another movie about the movies. And, and it's heard... it's kind of tricky because now that I've seen those, I'm like a lot of what I liked about Babylon's just like plagiarism.
2: <laughs> Have you seen the hypothesis that every single movie Damien Giselle makes is just a remake of *Singing in the Rain*? Really, oh, *Whiplash*? My gosh, first including, man. Including, <laughs> including yes.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. My well, that gosh. doesn't hold up. So. <laughs> mm. um,
3: All right, wait. Um, I don't know. Uh, the score is fucking awesome, by the way. By um.
1: Justin Hurwitz.
3: Justin Hurwitz, that's right. Uh, that that was... Yeah, that's my favorite film soundtrack of last year. It was, I listened
0: to Voodoo Mama like, a Oh, lot. yeah, yeah. It's so
3: good. Coke Room. Great song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Coke Room. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the score reminded me a lot of... Um, Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, the Ennio Morricone score it's just like these same like five songs just repeated over and over but retrofitted to the scene and the era and how these like feelings evolve over time and you know once upon a time in america is over like 80 years so that's a bit different than
1: i do think what it does it does do a good job of although i think Maybe it loses the reins a little bit when it's doing this, but I think it does a decent job of portraying like just like the like dark underbelly that is yeah. what Hollywood is really based on. You know, um, like with all the weird stuff with Tobey. Yeah, uh,
3: I know some people think the Tobey Maguire stuff was a little cringe, but I loved it.
1: I don't know how you, you would I don't think you could describe it as cringe. All right, but it'd be like. I think there's other things that you can use to describe it, but it's, I think, yeah, I think I respect his, um, you know, willingness to sort of delve, like, to say, like, wow, this is a fucking evil place, like, yeah. not even just in the way of, like, wow, they're so restrictive to artists, it's like, there's they're just, the people who run it are bad, and, like, in deeply evil ways, you know?
3: And that's okay. That's another thing. It's like I feel like the movie's about that great contradiction of it too. Yeah. That like Hollywood sucks, but like it gave us Avatar.
1: Yeah. It, no, so it's like, so it was all worth it's it. It's the combination of the dream with, you know, the nightmare. And I the, the I guess the one thing that I just think other movies have done that better in better yeah. ways, such as no, again, oh,
3: I've I've Maduro. seen better movies <laughs> since then. Yeah,
2: I've seen Mulholland Drive since Babylon came out, and I still haven't seen Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what the takeaway from this conversation is you should go watch Mulholland Drive. That's
3: a good idea. Mm, okay. um, Mulholland Drive Our is listeners. actually my number one spot.
2: And Sing in the Rain.
0: I love singing in the Rain. I do want to watch Singing in the Rain. I, not seen I've it? not it's seen it. like my favorite musical movie, even with the young girls of Rochefort. So. Do we want to move on Yeah we, to can, we can move on. Oh to me again with Okay. His number 6 film Which is actually my number 10 And PJ's number 9 It is The Northman Which all is right. very good
3: So this is actually just a through line Again another thing I appreciate Somehow Robert Eggers Secured like an 80 million dollar budget And just like did his own thing. Like, he's never going to get it again. He probably won't. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But, uh... Yeah, so I don't know. If you've seen The Lighthouse, if you've seen The Witch, you know, he's, uh... I have not. Okay. So, the, I saw. Right, was well, my first Robert. His, his thing is just, like, dropping you in the middle of some point in history, and just everybody talks the way it was, and they all think... They all think that. What's happening right now?
0: Push your phone away. We're doing this. I was going to pull up my review for talking about
2: it. Okay. Oh, sorry. sorry about that. Yeah, I've been, we've all been pulling up shit. So I think it's fine. <laughs> i it
3: I forgot what. Alright, I don't know. It drops you in the middle of an era and just like fully immerses you in it. And that's super interesting for the Northman, which is set in, you know, Norway, I guess, Scandinavia. Um,. It, I don't know, you like me to describe it? Yeah, you it should more. describe it. You can probably do that. Maybe
0: it's, 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 it's long, but it's also, like, it's, a lot of stuff well, happens, It's so. adapted
1: from, like, actual myth. Hamlet.
0: Yeah, Hamlet. is what Hamlet
1: is, yeah. became. Um, like, an ancient Viking song. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, like, I think what Robert Eggers does really well is, like, placing it within these historical narratives, which, in these historical contexts... Which have certain mythologies like based around them and just breaking them down in interesting ways. So I think with the witch, it's like, you know, the just like, yeah, like, but like he sort of hyper focuses on like the like pure like insanity and like paranoia that these like isolated like insane like the Puritans were insane people. Yeah. Yeah. And like he sort of hyper focuses on that and then like To make
2: you to to get you to believe how like people in that time in this way could have come to believe they're fucking being haunted.
1: Sure, it's immersive in a way, but it also is like the way he does it in a specific way in order to break down sort of larger ideas. So like right. like like especially with like in the lighthouse as well, sort of like ideas of masculinity and especially in this film. Ideas of masculinity. um, Sort of, I mean, it follows, well, Amleth is Alexander Skarsgård. You know, I mean, if you know the story of Amleth, it's about the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Takes place in Iceland. Yeah. I've I've, I've explored. Young boy, father gets cooed by his father and brother um, who takes his mother with him. And like, so the boy is like, and he gets like you know shipped off to save his life you know ends up in a viking raiding colony in fucking russia um <laughs> which that's and there's an amazing scene just unbelievably brutal scene which i like another like good part about this film is like like i think the vikings are a very interesting historical narrative to follow but i the one thing about the vikings is that they are heavily the people who are primarily interested in the vikings are people who are nazis, nazis. Um, <laughs> this was the
3: stinkiest movie i saw yeah. last year everybody who's in the theater smelled terrible it yeah. was like it was like an anomaly like why does the north man smell awful yeah but like what but yes, the film
1: does is like <laughs> it shows like all like everything about like like Mm-hmm. you know not cut corners brutal violence which you know not necessarily something they'd be against you know yeah. no, they you know right. they're rapers and pillagers that's what they are mm-hmm. and but then like you go back like eventually you end, your, end up back in Norway or Iceland or whatever in mm-hmm. Iceland Iceland yeah and it's like you're at the the, the this lord the land that he rules over is, like, a couple houses, and they have a yeah. hundred sheep, and it's, like, fucking terrible, and this is, like, what he does, and this is, like, the, like, these are your historical gods that you look up to, you know, mm-hmm. these are, like, yeah, I don't know, he just breaks down these historical narratives in really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. I thought, um,
0: to me, I, I had a great experience watching this with my family, but it was, like, in a, in a, in a very, uh, it was, it was... At home but it was like in a the theater room back in texas so like that my parents moved recently so it was a nice big theater room mm-hmm. um living room not like an actual dedicated room but but my point being that I, I was so immersed into the epic that it was it reminded me a lot of how i felt during the green night and like this mm-hmm. long journey i was being that i was like embarking on with everyone else and so I, I could look at the historical mythology and look at the historical context, but I was more blown away by how it just transported me to this time period and like yeah, for sure. I I it honestly made some of the myths feel real. So like with yeah. the Soothsayer and that the Witch, saying. um I think Bjork just for how she's little so cool. time she's in it, she crushed it. Uh-huh. Um and then with like the legend of the sword, which I forgot the entire legend of what you find. It was a sword or an axe. It was, it it was is a a sword of the sword, okay. And then Nightblade
3: or whatever, yeah,
0: Dweller. And like, it wasn't in a remarkable play. It wasn't like glowing like the Sting or whatever. It, or it it was just like this sword that had a legend attached to it, and I was I loved that. And then by the end, like Valhalla, I would say I think was very very well done because everything up to that point was ambiguous as to whether like the myths were being brought to life.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's super immersive for sure. Like I think, like. He makes, like, for, like, because for them, there's no separation yeah. between mm-hmm. the, what their spiritual world was and the real world. So, like, you know, you see, like, the flight of the Valkyries in a dream. Like, so you see cool. him hanging from the tree of life. And, like, you know, it's, it is super cool and it's, like, you know, I think it does a really good job of also, like, getting at some of the cultural elements as well like we watched like a whole like stick ball game yeah right, right. yeah <laughs> with concussion ball yeah Thor <laughs> the fucking strongest the <laughs> well, strongest man that was awesome yeah and it's <laughs> it's just super sick like at, like there's like the that's fight in another, the volcano? oh my yeah. gosh well like the another thing about Eggers is like especially with you can see it in his previous two films as well yeah. He's like a detail oriented fucking Free, and so like he's super hyper fixated on these historical you know minutia and he does its, like all of that comes together super like you need that I mean I think it also adds to the fact that like the cast is fucking insane and everybody right. comes together and like just is amazing mm-hmm. um, cause like you need that for it to be believable as well but like yeah I, I just think he's so hyper focused on the details that like it makes the expansiveness of the epic more. Like you need all those sprinkled throughout. Yeah, okay. I'm work. so I'm so glad you had this so
0: high on your list. It, it was just such a, it was such a good watch. Yeah,. I love and, this film.
3: and on a character level, like Ommu is so stupid. Yeah, and I <laughs> yeah. feel like the whole movie is just about this guy who thinks he's undergoing this epic journey. And then it's just as anticlimactic as it can possibly be at every single turn. It totally breaks
1: down the revenge narrative. Yeah, yeah. and
3: And it's just, again, it's like, I'm going to reclaim my kingdom. Okay, it's like two houses, whatever. I'm still going to do this. I'm going to get my epic sword. I'm going to fight a massive monster. And then, you know, again, it's just he just picks it up. I I,
0: I think the film does depart from Hamlet a little bit. I mean, in the sense that, like, they just don't know he's alive, first of all. In Hamlet, he's still living... Well, this. Hamlet is different. This is not based on Hamlet. Yeah, it's based on Hamlet. Hamlet, yes. Which Hamlet? Hamlet is based off of Hamlet, so
3: yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. Again, he thinks he's gonna save his mom, and she's like, I don't really care. Yeah. What's the yeah. what's the quote? You wanna kiss me though? He yeah. <laughs> said, said that like to us. <laughs> like, no, you said it like was a statement. Yeah.
1: A I okay. Here's my one complaint. There's a scene in which there's a there's a fight. Awesome fucking fight scene. Mm-hmm. Of two jacked naked guys fighting on top of a volcano. Right. No dong. Yeah.
3: Well, that's not Edgar's oh fault, is gosh. it?
1: It's not his fault. True. He, he, wanted, he wanted the dong, the dong but, but it would have been it would have been a five star film <laughs> it was, if we got the dong. If we got the dong. Mm-hmm. It was because <laughs> you need to see them fucking hammering out there when they've got their hammers. Right. True. They're yeah. fighting with hammers. Yeah. And sh- yeah. let them have the hammer out. Uh-huh. I think I, I
2: think I think I would have this movie would have maybe made it to my honorable mentions list if if there was more dawn. It's Truly, really not enough. Fair.
3: Well, well said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I remember in the theater, like everybody just like was like, "What?" When it ended, because again, I think every they advertised it as this like epic journey. Yes. So I action think. Action sort of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going an action movie, but it was like a long drawn-out epic. So, it was false advertising, I would say. Yeah,
3: but everybody seemed like, this wasn't the movie I paid for, Mm. and they're upset, and I enjoyed that. I think
2: I'll probably enjoy it more going back into it, like, knowing what to expect. Because I think in some ways I was left, not disappointed, but left kind of just like, well, now i got to sit with that uh, coming out of it, and because I wasn't able to emotionally connect with it, that's why I, I didn't, did not come to mind when I was recalling my favorite movies of last year. Uh, but I think, like I've, but you know, in going back and remembering it, and having discussions with people about it, I, I have nothing but like, damn, I, I think nothing else. i was like, damn, that was really cool. So <laughs> I, sh- I really should. Cool. Yeah,
3: and, and the, the cinematography movie. is fucking nuts. Jared That's
1: mm-hmm.
3: right.
2: I do love that this film does commit to like, yeah, I've, I've for I had to read for a class a lot of like, old Norse tales and like not, like, mythology, but, uh, I guess some of it's mythology, but, like, just, like, random, like, stories that were, like, written down either by, like, usually by, like, monks monk or something like that, and a lot of them are just, like, sometimes something interesting happens, like, once in the entire story, but most of it's, like, all right, well, we gotta establish this colony here, and then we gotta, like, be on this boat for, like, three, hours, three months of our lives... Or like years at a time to just get from one place to another, and I think this film kind of commits to commits to that that sent those same sensibilities in some ways. And I think I and, I and I definitely like that. That it's Roger Robert is it Robert Egers? Robert Eggers, Robert S-A-E, Robert E. Roger Ebert. Um, Robert, Yeah, I, I like he's very. I think he's a very very good like historical period piece filmmaker, For and sure, like yeah. he, approaching like the subjectivity of a lot of the people in these.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Nosferatu I'm so excited by the way that is gonna be the best movie
2: ever, ever.
3: <laughs> the best the best movie
1: yeah I also think she's not the best part of the movie but I think Anya Taylor-Joy in this film is like I think one of job. her best suited roles in that she looks like an alien <laughs> and she plays a crazy witch with like real powers yeah which is super sick and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and so also Alexander Skarsgård
0: got fucking yoked <laughs> right. he's enormous See, seeing him like when he's on the boat like doing I was like bro he looks like a like, beast because he's just like he
1: essentially is yeah cause the the movie he just dunked, he's just, he
2: just he's alive just in, dunking I'll on everybody he, he has to fight it? this whole movie oh. I will avenge you, you father I will, I will, I will save, you father
3: save you mother and you. I will kill you feel
0: Feel yeah. yes yeah mm-hmm. All right, cool. I guess we can move on to oh okay. Cha- we'll move on to my <laughs> number six film, Cha Cha Real Smooth. <laughs> they play that in the film. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um. So yeah, no one had this on their list. I doubt anyone saw this. I wanted. To... No, I saw it. Okay. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> I'm happy. Immediately wrong. Makes oh, <laughs> me so happy. Um. So for me, this is more just like a personal pick. Uh. Cooper Rafe who is the director he is from dallas texas which is where i'm from Yo, and texas he the entire film is essentially and if you look at my review on the udl film club website i talk about how he literally is just this 20 something who like left college and is like trying to figure out what to do and the entire film is about this 20 something who just left college and went back home trying to figure out what to do next um but I I I was completely blown away and I think he's gonna be one of the next big filmmakers, truly. he did one other film I know, the funny title Shit House, Shit house yeah. Um, but I think it's it's got a really great actress in it, Dakota Johnson. And the the whole the whole movie is he his friends are going away, they're doing other stuff, he went back home to try to figure out what to do next. And so he eventually gets roped into the business of doing party planning, but more he's the party starters for like bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs so he goes around uh, trying to like make conversation with people and get people on the dance floor gets paid for it by like all the uh, the Jewish mothers in the community and like it quits his job at like the mall that he has to like do this full time and it's more just him like reconnecting with his family his stepdad his brother and then making a new relationship with Dakota Johnson's character and Dakota Johnson's daughter who I really want to see more of I thought she did an amazing amazing job in this film um but yeah, it's it, it it didn't get a super wide release. Um, and again, it's a pretty low budget film. Cooper Rake is still new on the scene, and I I want to see more of his work. Thought it had some great moments and great conversations between characters with some dialogue that you don't get to see in a lot of high budget films nowadays. Um, and I think if he was given much more of a budget, he could do something even better. Um. And for some reason, I don't know why, I, I he actually wore a, a jacket for H.P. Cheer, which is the high, I went to Highland Park High School. So he wore that jacket because his sister went to Highland Park, uh, just like where I went to. And I thought it was a little cool little Easter egg he had in the movie. So uh, for me, it was just personal because he shows a lot of Dallas love in this film. And he also plays like a really nostalgic song for a middle school dance in the opening of the movie. And I was like, damn hit me in the feels right now <laughs> so what song yeah it was it was the show goes on by lube fiasco oh. and i'm like i remember hearing that at like middle school dances like crushes that just do not like you back and like all Damn. that stuff it was like a wave of nostalgia washed over me and it, was, it, was, it felt very like it was almost calling me out so I, I i felt a connection to his writing and his directing and i wanted to more so puts on the list to give him a platform and let people know about his films but i'm glad y'all also saw it what y'all think
3: i think there's de- there's something up with this man that he keeps <laughs> casting himself he's yeah. like the handsome <laughs> plucky rom-com lead but like it kind of worked for me so he can get yeah. a pass for being a bit of an egomaniac uh otherwise <laughs> this is just like good rom-com like it, you know it, it sticks to the basic formula, but it's, like, the best version of this formula. I really liked it.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, you know, <laughs> like, a, a nice little tight comedy-drama type thing. Um, I like Dakota Johnson.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I have reasons. <laughs> I thought the ending scene was, was pretty emotional, too. Just because, like, oh, okay. yeah. eventually, like, there's this big realization in their relationship um, but I thought it was, like, handled really well, uh, because like,
1: Rohan's favorite movie, by
0: the way. Chow Smooth? Movie. Really? Yeah.
1: He well, he wrote the actual review for this movie on the website, by the way. Great. Yeah. Then, oh, was, did like, you just steal there. credit for that?
3: Like, nope. go read my review on the did not. Uh, go she read Rohan's review. Like, I'm pretty
0: sure he did. That. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I guess I didn't read that review, but adding on to it, I just, I, I really liked it. And again, I wanted to shout it out again. Shout out, Dallas. So, I think with that, we actually can go right back again to Harrison.
3: No, really? I thought you are were... five.
0: Pinocchio. Well, if we're going no, in the okay. order that we're going. All right, never mind. Harrison right. number five film, which also no one had on the list. It was. All right. It is Pinocchio,
3: out. directed by Robert Zemeckis.
0: Yeah. Um, what about what about <laughs> No. Sorry. It's, uh, it's
1: the title is Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, Guillermo del,
3: Guillermo del Toro's, del Toro's Pinocchio. Guillermo's is... Poganocchio.
1: This is another movie that has
3: a really interesting Anocchio's production... It <laughs> <laughs> has a really interesting production history. It's been, like, in hell for, like, 20 <coughs> years straight. No, 15. 15 years. Excuse me. Don't want to exaggerate. Mm. Uh, this is, like, Del Toro's passion project. I'd, I'd pretty comfortably say that. Because he's he said in an interview that his favorite novels are uh, Frankenstein and Pinocchio, which is... And he incorporates the themes He's an of those. Adult man. <laughs> that's right. Okay, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. We like him still. Okay. He he incorporates that stuff into all of his movies. Um, you know, kind monsters and what have you. He does
1: love his monsters.
3: That's right. And uh, Pinocchio, very. I mean, I don't feel like I have to explain what Pinocchio is. There's some. I mean, it's. But yeah, I mean...
1: It's, like, more based in the real world. Yeah, it's
3: set in fascist Italy uh, under mm-hmm. the rule of Benito Mussolini, uh, who Pinocchio tells to eat shit directly in a musical
1: lumber. Uh, he was portrayed in this film with, like, a two-foot... <laughs> <pretty Yeah. cool. laughs> he was so funny. He was, like, a little guy. He's <laughs> tiny.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, I is beautiful. For sure. The stop-motion's incredible, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just a form of animation that you don't see an awful lot, but I love it because it is so tactile. And there is something of it like, like damn, this is just like a picture of something in the real world, edited to shit, of course, but that appeal is always there for me. But otherwise, uh, it's just a great take on the material, I thought. Um, yeah.
1: Just like... Yeah. Uh, yeah I think the animation style was very good um I especially think like some of the moments where they um sort of divert into like a sort of spirit world yeah like are like pretty spectacular um yeah I don't know I definitely think it looks better than a lot of animated films for sure um they definitely put a lot of care into the step-motion aspect of it, for sure. Did everybody see it? Yeah, I saw it.
2: I don't care about animation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not cinema. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Sorry, um, Guillermo. Luke always says that. I, 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 I <laughs> liked it.
0: I mean, unfortunately, and I... Had classic one. I <laughs> regretfully saw it on a plane. I, I hate... If you know me, I hate seeing films on planes. It, I like, agree. It knocks it down like a, like a whole star and a half for me. It's really bad, but... Even, even then, I still rating is pretty high. I think, like you said, th- this is definitely his passion project. He's been hyping this up forever. Um, and the animation style is fluid. Isn't it on ones? I, I can't remember. I don't know. Okay, well, it, it's 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 the type of animation style I think Leica does, which is very, very fluid um, because they just choose to do more frames to get that fluid motion. Um, I think I also watched it on a plane, by the way. Really? Okay.
2: No,
3: I watched it in the cinema...
2: Lucky Cinema. So, cinema. likes you now. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Isle of Dogs on a plane, and i and I hit, hated it. But now I don't know if I hated it because I didn't like it I or because I saw it on. It's plane. good. I don't know. If and oh, I'll, I'll never know until I see it again.
0: But. What do you think about oh, Pinocchio? Uh, Pinocchio? <laughs> no, I, I I liked it. I think it, the the thing is, I I don't have general complaints with it. It's just it, I I I, it's not as great as I think it is. I don't know. Yeah. It's I, like it's like you can say something that's like really good and not say like bad about it. it's bad. You probably like feel the same threshold. way I feel
2: about The Northman, I feel. Like, and that's fine. It's a great it's, it's a great it's film. But good. it's like
0: you know say. you can rank other things higher. Mm-hmm. And I think you talked how to feel about Pinocchio. I, I, I also thought like the use of color was right. incredible.
3: Oh, and it has a great score too. Yeah, it does.
0: Uh, who, who's the kid that voice acts Pinocchio? I mean, he's 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 he my nose a little bit, but
1: unfortunately, not good. the best animated film of the year.
0: True. Mm.
1: Turning true. red. That's... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not in uh-huh. But I just wanted to mention it. Turning red. Uh, my
2: year of dicks. That is that's that's short. The, that's the short. Did you see uh, album? No, <laughs> I didn't. I haven't seen a single one. The, I, 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 there's a, a short called
1: the, the, the it's like the ice. Oh, Ice Climbers. The Ice Climbers. It's unbelievable. From Smash Bros. I stalked
0: your letterbox and saw you read it like a five and I'm like, man. Yeah, okay. I didn't rate it. I did actually
2: want to go see the shorts but I couldn't go when they were showing it Yeah. All if the you stuff. can watch
1: the Ice Climbers, okay. watch that one. Please.
2: I do want to watch that one and the New York Dicks one too. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. But do you want to know what I want to watch again, Drew?
0: Uh, I hope it's mm, what I'm thinking of. Yeah.
2: No, I was thinking of yeah, your top. I know, right? I wanted to watch Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of,
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh.
2: Okay, I, I guess it's like as good of a transition go as to the any danger zone to
0: get to nice. my number five yeah, film. That's the uh, Luke's number nine film and PJ's number eight film, Top Gun Maverick.
1: Away
0: to <laughs> the danger zone. Yeah, I mean. Th- th- at this point, I don't know how you haven't seen it. It's made, like, over a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, so like, the dump,
1: it was, like, staying in theaters for, like, a
2: year. Yeah. No, I
3: remember, it was, like, you're it's, still in theaters on Veterans Day. What, what is you, that? In it's November. You
2: it, stay in theaters until, like, oh. Avatar, until, like, Avatar 2 came out. Yeah, like, yeah. It
1: was, like, still, like, a movie
0: that you would go and see until Avatar. Mm.
2: So, yeah. with Top Gun Maverick, which I,
0: again, if you haven't seen that one, I haven't. I love military propaganda. <laughs> It's it's the story of um, Tom Cruise's Maverick character coming back to uh, Top Gun, which is Fighter Town, USA, in San Diego, mm-hmm. and he is now ordered to be a flight instructor. Which first of all, the movie opens with a sick like Mach Nine airplane. Oh track. yeah, he's
1: a test. He's testing. Yeah, so some... which is not
0: possible yet, but it's it so, looks so cool. It's so
1: funny because it's like <laughs> the opening like conflict. This is like. You gotta do this flight so that we can get our military funding for yeah. this specific division <laughs> of the Depart- Department of Defense, and it's like it doesn't matter at all. But then, it, but then he does. It's shot so sick because it mm-hmm. it's like, like he's obviously is in this insane plane that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. He goes like what Mach twelve at some point, mm-hmm. and he's like.
2: And I can he's like, go higher. <laughs> yeah. You like, have to go exactly about yeah. nine. But then, no more. But then there's Tom the Jesus shots like... where it
1: zooms out to like, you know, from like a satellite view. Yeah, um, yeah. You see it like, he traverses like, right, miles and miles and you can see like the speed of it and it just like, it just like, like the all of a sudden of it. it's like, wow, yeah. this matters so much more to me. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's, like the it right, does, it's like the right stuff a like great job of yeah. making you want to fly with fast the, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with the,
0: the narrative there? planes yeah. um, but essentially uh, the, the main connection between the first film and this film is Miles Teller's character Rooster um, and Rooster is the son of Goose which if you haven't seen the original Top Gun mm. Goose was Maverick's partner um, and then who I was, died? He died. He, yeah. Um, he, what is so he there's 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 more tension that's revealed throughout the film of why Rooster and Maverick don't actually like each other. Um, but the, the the whole movie is a training mod, like segment of like Maverick actually training all the uh, cadets, whatever, yeah. to go on this insane <laughs> mission um, where they're trying to bomb a missile base in a mount, like in a valley. Yeah. So but if you don't like the plot, doesn't matter. It's one of the most beautiful movies you've ever seen with insanely fast planes. And I saw it in Screen X at Regal and so I saw like the HUD of the plane like stretched out to two hundred and seventy degrees and it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I saw it at Pacific Science Center. Oh, that's even better. Uh, um, and yeah that was awesome. But I think uh another thing to bring up about this film is like it's very like, like a good blockbuster. Blockbuster has to like usually rely on a lot of cliches. Mm. Um, and this one doesn't. It no, it absolutely does. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> say cliché city up. <laughs> like you have to balance like cliches with some level of good writing and like the ability to build like legitimate emotional presence Yeah, with a character, and um, it does a really good job of that. Um, yes, and like, but it is like. It's funny, it just makes it, the f- how dumb it is just makes it more fun. Because it's, it's like, you're fighting, like, their enemy is some unnamed country. It's Russia. Not it's Iran. It's Russia. Not it's Iran. Iran or Russia, it's okay. one of them. But it's also like, this country has better planes than the U.S. somehow. Oh somehow. somehow. Been <laughs> like the
0: crazy corkscrew maneuver in the air at one point. I'm Which like, was so sick. Oh my <laughs> <fuck> God. <laughs> yeah. There's that one point where
1: he like, he like, yeah, the enemy plane like flies over Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I-, I can't even explain in the three-dimensional space stops in midair and like, <laughs> Spins <laughs> and like like stops in midair. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so. And, but that's like a real thing, and it was so cool. But yeah, like I mean, all the flying sequences are unbelievable. Like they film everything inside the actual cockpits of these planes while they're actually flying mm-hmm. them. It's, it's Really exactly good. It's the practical from. flying effects. I mean, really exactly. good. At, really good at combining
2: like actual like Tom Cruise flying planes footage with like VFX. Like you so can never, you can never yeah. tell when they switch away. It's like the real like it, like it's operating at the height of like really thrilling cinema cinematic yeah. action sequences mm. you
0: you will probably ever see because uh-huh. like I, I they had to get so much special permission to shoot almost all the scenes mm. like from the military because you can't get this kind of footage anywhere else besides yep. going to the military and directly. making your film about literal yeah, propaganda. yeah so <laughs> fun
1: this division Fuck yeah, yeah. So. it's like
0: isn't he like working for like Lockheed Martin in the beginning or whatever
1: no he's just in some special oh, I'm sure right, I'm right, sure right. they fucking built the plane.
0: Right? yeah. yeah, yeah like but the, I, I mean there's I do actually agree though there was one plot point that I thought fell really flat to me and it was like Tom Cruise's romantic relationship with this one I just could give less Probably the shit weakest.
2: I mean I I I, I still think I, Jennifer Coolidge is super
0: fucking hot. Yeah. I so why
2: I think <laughs> it works but I really like That's a Tom Cruise yeah. I think it works. I just think it's the weakest part of the movie. It, it is. but like it's but it's but it's like but it's so good I think in my opinion. Yeah, I think I sure. think it's good. I think it's good because it's sort of you see it more as Cruise like well, ah, fuck! It's like you can't really tell. Well, it's also you. like you it's really in the
1: it. classic Hollywood style, so like it used yeah. to be in there, and, it's like, and
2: they do. I don't think that they do. I think. They and do it's do it that. Mr. Top Gun, like confronting his past, kind of in <laughs> a way, and the fact that he's aged a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the main drive. Tom Cruise said he's old. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. See,
3: I disagree that the movie is about Tom
1: Cruise getting old at all.
0: No, it's not. It's not. It's yeah, about it's how about he's, how he's better than everyone. It is.
1: It's about how he's the last movie star, yeah. and no one else. Has been a, well, no, it's
2: the idea that he's still the last movie star all these years yeah. later. So it is about him getting old, but in like a good way.
1: It, it's
3: it was just very interesting to me. The scene they have this whole montage of the train of the pilots that, that he's training, and they're trying to do this epic bombing run. And they just can't do it right, and then Tom, and then Tom Cruise, Cruise does it, like, like on those, the first try with yeah, 15 yeah. seconds extra or whatever.
0: Yeah, because he's the best. Yeah. But it's true, he is. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? I, I, so, some more thing going back to, like, I, I didn't like the whole Jennifer Connolly thing, but I thought that the the relationship between him and Rooster was actually really well done. And it was a great callback to connecting to Goose, because, mm-hmm. I, I mean... If any you are using the first off gun, I just I did not like it. I thought it was like okay, but really not That's great. Okay. Uh, Donnie Scott is great. Okay, but I think I think Miles Teller does a great job. He looks just like Goose's he kid. He does. He yeah. looks very startlingly Same stash, the tag. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and then, oh god. I would. Oh, yeah, you do more to say? Well, yeah. It was like I, I did shout out Val Kilmer for a reason. Like I right. thought it, it was it was very emotional. Yes, that scene. Which it doesn't, I'm not gonna say it supports the argument of Tom Cruise is getting old. I'm just saying that's, it's a whole thing of like Tom Cruise is aging. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the last thing I'll say about it is I, I wanna keep coming back to it and watching it just because it, it, I don't think you can get any more clear that like this is the. So pleasing to watch, pleasing it to the eye. Fun. It's just it straight fun. fun. It mm. looks awesome.
2: Uh, Epic score too. Epic yeah. soundtrack. I wish they could have found a better way to thread the ending a little bit. I think that's like the like the one part where I think it, the only place where I think it stumbles is where I think like there's. Like like the bit where it gets, he gets shot down and then Oh I know like like, oh, they think I like he's that. dead. Yeah. Like no, again it's done really well, but I don't know. I think they could have found a be like it's 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 good. I think they could have found a better way to- that's like some that's like story economy like critique there. Like I think that they could have found a better way to handle the last sequence. But and again, it still sticks to landing so it's you know.
3: the very eighties how it's like, Alright, mission's over, boys, and then the movie just ends. Nice great.
2: great it's i mean
1: it's a callback to the ending of the first time yeah. Gun, where it's like you know it was almost like handle nice man like back on the aircraft yeah. like and the same thing fucking, like yeah it's like jacked arms. <laughs> uh, I was like Aw. so but yeah it's beautiful you know my, my we haven't talked about the
2: the beach scene which is oh yeah great. which mean, is that also also big critique not fuck? as gay as the big <laughs> beach scene is it actually first. is this a critique yeah it's it not is gay. less gay
1: but that's a great scene still
2: it's still oh again still a great yeah. scene like yeah. again
1: first time gun super gay for sure mm. which is great about it like they fucking less gay snapping towels at each other's yeah. asses <laughs> and, you know, they're yeah. fucking
2: yeah. yeah baby little yeah. yeah they're yeah they're not as sweaty in this film which and is not less great, sweat which is not more. as good
1: but that that the football scene is great. pretty good they're fucking you know <laughs> they're just jacked and they're playing football because they're they gotta be a team you know yeah
2: that's the only way you can be a team. Yeah, if <laughs> you play football on the play beach, football on the beach. <laughs> two yeah.
1: two games at once going at each other, you know. Yeah, and you Teaches. take your shirts off. You know, you take your shirts off. That's yeah. all you need.
4: Mm-hmm.